The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Planet. Today's episode, we feature Grant and Larry from Common Humanity Collective, a Bay Area mutual aid org filling capitalism's public health gap by creating and distributing basic public health supplies, as well as providing DIY workshops to empower the public to create their own. We also discuss protests in Kenya, France, and Amsterdam, and the violent Israeli oppression of Palestinian worshipers during Ramadan. But first, Mule makes a Mario joke? I don't get it. And then I said, Mario, you're Goatsy. Oh, there it yeah. is. Yeah. There it is. That's, that's what you, you do. That's how you tell them. I can't them. believe you were in the Mario movie. I was it literally in the Mario movie. Yeah, that's and I, right. And you, and you gaped in the Mario movie. <laughs> that's fucking crazy, babe. Gaping dragon. They had a Dark Souls crossover and I was that <laughs> character. <laughs> I don't understand anything that's happening right now. It's Red Planet. That's what's happening, Kira. Don't worry. How is everyone doing? Welcome into the most base show in the world. I was going to say on Switch, but we're on more platforms than Switch now, aren't we? We're probably on the most base platform Mm -hmm. show on Switch. Uh, Sophie, what's the most base thing you did this week? It's a bit of a little story, but I'm going to tell it. Um, so I was going to a trans community live music event. Uh, I think that's pretty based to begin with. Yep. So there was a based context of what was going on. And I was walking with this friend of mine, Juno. She's another doll. Uh, I bumped into her at the tube station near the place. So like we were like, oh, we'll walk up to the place together. And we were just chatting. And then this guy, this dude, this fella... Uh, he made some kind of comment and I didn't hear it, right? And he started laughing. And I was like, huh? And he, because I wanted to hear what he'd said because I'm sure it was really, really funny. Obviously. You love jokes. Who doesn't? I do love comedy. So wait, let me back up and describe this guy for a second because I think you'll enjoy this mule. So he's got, he's got like, the he's just wearing a t-shirt on top. Um, Big, big beer belly, right? Uh, it's just a, like a, a blue t-shirt. Like he looks like his mom's dress. Blue, dark blue. Okay, yeah. And he's wearing like track trackies and uh-huh. socks and slides. So a really but, hot guy, like absolutely yeah, smoking. I know. Yeah, yeah, he's got yeah. he's got the drip. That's essential. But yeah. I'm I'm only I'm only putting so much into describing his drip so you can understand when I say that he had a mustache with waxed tips. <laughs> okay. Like fucking Wario, like Wario ass looking <laughs> dude. Right? And he said something, and then he's like guffawing, and I'm like, "What?" Um, and he goes, "Oh, what?" Like making fun of me, asking what he says, which is rude. I, you know, I wanted to hear what he, I wanted to hear his very funny joke. Pretty rude. And uh, so he starts going, "Oh, sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Sorry, bruv. Sorry, bro. Sorry, mate." Um, but the whole wow, time he sounds he- like a really smart, funny guy. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the whole time that he's doing this, he's like backing away from me. <laughs> so I just started calling him a pussy over and over again. I just started <laughs> going, pussy, 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 just nonstop, right? 
Um, and I did neglect to mention until until this point, but I will mention now that he was with his wife and two young children and walking his dog. Um, so they were all just trying to walk away from, just trying to get away from the situation, right? Like, and he was he was still trying to walk his dog and walking backwards, trying to face me, going, "Oh, sorry, mate. Oh, sorry, bro." And I was just calling him a pussy. Um, and because he's walking backwards in flip flops, and there was a little speed bump in the road, he. He fucking tripped over. <laughs> he fucking he fucking tri- he fucking tripped over in front of his wife and kids and dog. <laughs> so I just called him a bitch and left. Like I just went. I just I just uh, I just laughed my uh, fucking that's... ass off when he fell over, and I was like, "Bitch!" And then I left. It was that's great. so base. He means the, the wife and kids he has now, because it sounds like you know he might be glittering soon. They're so proud of him. <laughs> They're they so, must proud, be of so him. proud of him. Yeah. Those kids are not going to be scarred by that moment at all. They're not going <laughs> to be trying to go sleep maybe when they're like 21 or something and like don't speak to him that often. And then, you know, they'll wake up at 3 a.m. and they'll go, oh, yeah, I remember that time that my dad fell over because he was being <laughs> transphobic uh, and couldn't, could, didn't have the balls to actually, you know, admit <laughs> it. So that's fun. Yeah. Wow, that was based. Yeah, I was pretty happy with it. I um yeah, made a big bigot fall over by calling him a pussy. I um I've kind of defaulted to calling bigots cowards now because they are is the first thing, right? Yeah. But also like also like I think that it's worth pointing out to their faces that like if you are a man who's like, you know, thinking you're being a big man because you're like punching down on minorities, but you aren't like trying to you 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 aren't doing anything to actually like um push back on the people who actually like make your life worse like you know you you know these bigots aren't in fucking unions right yeah it's like as in as in you know that a guy who's harassing a trans woman in the street he's not in a union so it's like you know that makes you a pussy actually Mm -hmm. actually actually joining a union means that you're not you you can never be called a pussy again so it's true Um, unless unless that union is like i don't know the pussy union (laughs) Yeah. Unless it's the scab union we talked about the other week, actually. That's that what I be, was thinking. That is That's literally the pussy thinking, union, yeah. yeah. Um, pussy union, my band name. Anyway, uh, Kira, what did you do this week that was based? Oh, um, this is, I think, last week, um, but I wanted to mention it. Um, we raised on my stream over $2,000 for a friend of mine, Soul Bunny. Um, she's a black trans uh, femme YouTuber, and she makes like pretty great political content i know that mules at least watch one of her videos on stream um and so yeah we raised over two thousand dollars for her over a stream so she could get a leg up in actually pursuing her youtube uh channel more seriously and not have to worry so much about you know trying to fight tooth and nail for you know just to wage slave at that time away instead um i felt really like privileged to be able to be in that position because it's I don't know. It's it's nice to use the uh, platform that I have, especially as like a white person, a white cis person, to be able to like take some of that of that like privilege and to be able to like do something better with it instead of just like absorbing it, you know? Yeah. So um, and also just like we need more YouTubers like her, and it's it's and you know she's really good. She's really she's great. Yeah. No, she's she's already doing such. She has like three videos, I think, right? And they're all great. So like, I'm really excited to see where her channel goes. Um. And so, yeah, that that was awesome. And and thank you to everyone in the chat if you were there, even if you like stopped by to lurk, it still helped us. So thank you so much for that. Um, 
Awesome. So, Mule, really cool. what about you? What basing so, did you do this week or so ago? <laughs> I basically, um, yeah, I, I, don't, I can't really remember what I did the week before this week because that is what my brain is like. Um, but I do remember that this week I decided to uh, not stream for the week. And, uh, well, basically, I, I realized... I have ADHD. I I can't. I find it really hard to do like you know everything at once because I can do everything at once, but I just do all the things very poorly. Um, so what I should do is I should just hyper focus on one thing that I've been meaning to do for a while, which is finish my fucking video that I've Whoa. been talking about for the last fucking six months. The fancy um, one, right? The what? The fancy one, right? It is fancy. That's right. Yeah, I've shown Kara a tiny little sneak preview. Sophie's seen it as well. I've spoken about it on the phone with Sophie actually the other day. Um, and I'm really happy with it. I'm actually really, really happy with where it's gone. Um, I Yeah, so that is basically like done now. I just have to spend like another day on it this week and then everything will be sorted, polished, everything. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so that fa- it actually felt really good. And it was a really weird feeling as well. It was like... Um, I don't know, like, I guess I've just been stressed for like the last year or two years, you know, just trying to do everything all at once. Um, oh, and then just, you. yeah, I know, like, you, you know, you don't really know, like, that that's happening, I guess, when, when, when you're trying to do all these things all the time, and like, you know, be a really productive guy and, uh, and shit like that. But, uh, you know, just sort of taking a step back and going, oh, right, yeah, if I like, could just do this, it actually makes me really happy. It's like, yeah, I felt genuine happiness when I was like doing my work, which is pretty fucking rare. Um, not to say that I like hate streaming or like I hate activism or I hate making YouTube videos at other times, but it's like, I think I just find it a lot more easy to do. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, I'm actually happy when I'm just doing the one thing at one time mm-hmm. and I can just hyper focus on it and get mm-hmm. it done. So yeah, that was, I think it was a base decision to, to realize my limits. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Hell yeah. So that, that was that. Poggers. Yeah, I love. Can you stop saying that? But I've noticed I'm in saying pog and poggers in real life. That's you can so say maybe... pog. Please stop yeah. saying poggers. Uh, <laughs> it's so fun to say pog can and I... poggers. When you when pog. you say poggers, you just have to do it in the Chuck E. Cheese voice from that one poggers. time. Poggers. That... Yeah, exactly that one. You know exactly. You know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm a we poggers have... expert. Thank you. We have an extended based section this week. Um, so let me first say, uh, audience, chatters, listeners, viewers, <gasps> watchers, observers, lurkers, uh, creeps, we want to know what you're up to. Is it based? You can tell us. Uh, what based things have you been doing? You can message us on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok, or you can send an email to based at redplanetshow.com, and we might shout it out in a later episode if it's, uh, really based and fun and we like it. Uh, so I've got one here from Narrowlon Starfire, or apparently Kira regularly calls him Nair. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Nair says, apart from giving money to a certain streamer, the most base thing I've done this week is my ongoing conversations with my colleagues at the hospital about the systems of oppression that exist all around us and how we can overcome them. When they are discussing the news or complaining about certain problems, I try to help them understand that these issues aren't ones of personal failings, personal responsibility or personal morality, but are systemic issues relating to capitalism, the patriarchy, racism, transphobia, the exploitation of non-human animals, etc. I try to avoid getting on my soapbox, as it were, or getting too deep in theory too quickly, but instead have a relaxed conversation that will hopefully help them be more receptive to and understanding of these ideas. All the best, narrow on. 
And I want to say that's extremely based. Extremely based. Yeah. I, I also, um, it reminds me of when we were playing Bewitching Revolution. There's that bit that says to not seek work is a political act, not a personal failing. Um, and I, I think that it's really useful if you're trying to show people that there's a systemic thing there, not just a personal failure, that you say, what's the implication of you acting this way, right? Because in Bewitching Revolution, it's like to not seek work is a political act, not a personal failing. It demands a future where work, the absence of work brings leisure, not poverty. So if you say the same thing about like resisting racism or transphobia or the patriarchy or whatever, you know, you can tell people about what kind of world that you're, that they're trying to live in, you know, that would be, that would be good for everyone. I think that that kind of thinking really gets people engaged and excited. So that's really cool that you're having conversations with people. I'm looking forward to hearing more from more people uh, who watch the show or listen to the show, etc. Me and too. All the base things they've been up to. I and by also, the way, just to reiterate yeah. that sh- the game that uh, Sophie was talking about, uh, I know that she said the title, but again, it's a bewitching revolution. It's fantastic. Yeah. We uh, streamed us playing it together. Uh, so you can check yeah. that out on our YouTube or our Patreon. And um, yeah, it's 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 a fantastic game. I highly, highly, highly recommend. It's a fun, Hell it's like yeah. a fun way to look to get to get your theory in. You know, the doctor yeah. says always get your theory in every day. It's true. <laughs> you gotta get your Dr. theory Sophie in. Dr. Sophie says that. Dr. Sophie says that. Uh, speaking of which, I have I have two runners up for my most based thing this week, and I wanted to share them as well because I have uh, I'm just excited about them. Uh, and one of them is a book recommendation, as I'm always doing. Um, I've been reading Revolutionary Intercommunalism and the Right of Nations to Self-Determination, which is um, actually very, very readable. And I, I wanted to bring it up because um, I've been kind of gravitating away from books that are just like theory for theory's sake recently and are talking all about like uh psychoanalysis analysis and the big other and this shit because i've been reading a lot of zizek and it's kind of tiring me out yeah like this <laughs> this is a transcription of conversations between huey newton and some yale kids and then another conversation of between lenin uh about the same topic like half a century earlier wow. and i'm just like i've been gravitating towards books that are like transcripts of um of of leftists like smart leftists talking about shit recently and honestly once you've gotten enough theory and once you understand the basics of what they're going to be talking about hearing people talk about stuff i think is kind of yeah is cool uh I, i like it probably more than i like uh theory development books it's like honest. i guess uh listening to a um podcast um yeah but the but podcast not, is it's huey newton the founder of the black panthers <clears throat> exactly vladimir lennon uh, yeah yeah <laughs> i've actually um, i will just jump in here quickly and say i've also oh, yeah. been i've started reading a book you'll be really oh, hell yeah you'll be really excited um it's called, it's called conflict is not abuse by sarah shulman i've read that um, book it's a good book it's fucking so good i've only just started it and like it's like oh wow okay so i I actually got it for my next video that's going to be like part two of of this video um and i didn't realize just how um appropriate it would be for what i'm actually making and um yeah it's just it's just really fucking good so uh, yeah 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 fuck yeah well the the last base thing i wanted to mention was a self-care thing that i have been uh 
engaging in, I was just telling Mule and Tierra about this before the stream, but I've been engaging in some quite thorough processes of, uh, that involved like meeting up with other people and having pretty heavy, tiring talks, but they've been really healthy and healing, uh, to heal from some harm that I went through recently. And, um, it's been really good for me. And I just wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because I wanted to reiterate what we say often on the show, which is that self-care is based and, uh, yeah. heal, taking time to deliberately heal from your trauma is based. Right. Looking forward to hearing from the chatters about what they've been up to. But in the meantime, I believe, and the listeners, and the viewers, and the lurkers, and the creeps. Um, in the meantime, Mule, I think you're going to tell us about Kenya. Yes, I am. Um, so this is a, another instance uh, that we talk about a lot on Red Planet. It's um, a country in the Imperial periphery. Um, <clears throat> basically, you know... Doing, doing the revolution. The revolution is going to happen because the material conditions of the working class get harder and harder and harder to deal with. And then people will eventually just be like, I've had enough. And it doesn't matter who they are. They'll just be like, what the fuck? You know, we're, get, we're getting this done. Uh, but this is in Nairobi in Kenya, uh, where protesters uh, have thrown stones at police in Kenya's capital and attackers have set fire to an office run by the president's party in a Western town on Thursday during a third wave of demonstrations organized uh, by his opponents. So um, it's it's really interesting this. Um, yeah, it's basically... It's it's basically like really really intense. Like you can see in if you're watching this on Twitch or if you're uh, uh, um, you know watching on YouTube or, or Patreon. But uh, thousands of people have joined uh, marches called by opposition leader Ryla Odinga against high living costs and alleged fraud in last year's vote. Um, which is funny because it's like the opposite of the bad time when presidents call out fraud or opposition leaders <laughs> call out fraud it's like the opposite it's like real fraud uh, that actually happened um violence also marred monday's protest um uh, and the first demonstrations uh, the monday before that prompting for pleas for calm from civic leaders who said they feared a descent into ethnically charged violence you know i just want to i just want to point out that this is reuters uh, who who actually said this ethnically charged violence that they're they're reporting from civic leaders who did say this but you know uh just a really bizarre you know choice of words there i think you can understand the harmful implications of that um but um yeah so uh, of this um you know, on this actual day, uh, March 30th, earlier in the day, uh, Odinga rode through Nairobi's pipeline neighborhood in a convoy with other opposition leaders. Odinga, who is, you know, one of the opposition leaders, as hundreds of supporters marched alongside waving twigs, saucepans, and empty packets of flour. Uh, the president, the protesters have accused President William Ruto of mismanagement, while his supporters have accused Odinga of using anger over rising prices. Well, yes, I, that is something that will happen if you make life unaffordable. <laughs> if you make surviving unaffordable, anger seems to be the natural reaction to that, doesn't it? So, yeah. Um, it, it's, that's, it's, some, that's, that's truly some, like, uh, wily e. Coyote-ass shit to be like, <laughs> the Roadrunner has used this cliff face to bash my face in. When I ran into it, I, I got injured. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just like, yeah, I, I opened a door and that meant that the door opened... <laughs> And I was able to pass through it. That's I can't believe radical work. leftists are using this field of rakes to repeatedly hit me in the face. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, uh, and and uh, the, the last thing to say about this story is that Odinga uh, has run for president five times uh, before now, uh, and he's basically challenging Ruto's victory in August's election. But the Supreme Court um, 
has upheld the result unanimously. Again, you know, very funny that, that, that there's a Supreme Court where um, they're just basically used to uphold uh, the status quo and, and the establishment. It's 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 the same the world around, folks. You know, this is what you have to remember. Uh, and there are hundreds of countries all over the world. Uh, and, you know, whenever one of them basically rises up and says we've had enough, we're going to be reporting on it. Speaking of which, you enjoyed that segue, didn't you, Sophie? Uh, Sophie good. is going to tell us about <laughs> French real workers yeah. Uh, yeah. storming yeah. Uh, Blackrock in Paris. That's right. That's I mean, that's I mean, that is kind of it. But like also, <laughs> uh, if you've if you've uh, not been living under a rock for the last few weeks, you probably noticed that uh, shit's kicking off in France. Uh, so to just recap some of the reporting that we've done in the last few weeks, um, Macron, uh, tiny baby boy Macron, who can't do anything wrong, small bean, small uwu bean, uh, neoliberal ghoul Macron, um, has, uh, has 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 he said he wanted to raise raise the pension the retirement age in France by two years, and uh, the French were not happy at all, uh, sparking massive demonstrations and strikes across the country. Uh, I think it's really important for me to say as well that when um, unions do one or two day strikes or three day strikes, those are demonstrations, right? They are, they're showing their power. They're not, that's not, um, although that can make the, the bosses or the government back down, it's not there to be the whole struggle. It's there to say, we could do this long term if you don't sort it out. Um and uh, I said that the week before Macron decided to just skip completely past the workers and past parliament and past everyone and just raise, raise the retirement age uh, completely undemocratically because neoliberal politicians are actually just authoritarian freaks. Um, and so what did they do? They set Paris on fire. Uh, completely reasonably, some people might say, uh, I'm not in France. I don't know what the law is there. I assume that it's legal to set things on fire since so many people are doing it. Yep. Um, but it seems like they're having a hell of a time. And on the 11th straight day of protesting, uh, striking rail workers and other protesters stormed into the uh, headquarters. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the headquarters, actually, because I assume it's international finance, but the offices of BlackRock in Paris, uh, which is an investment firm who have significant involvement with France's pension funds. Um, in there, they uh, walked around with lit flares and uh, union flags and basically demonstrated uh, occupying the offices because uh, fuck those guys. It's <laughs> uh, pretty much the story. So, um, but that's, uh, we have another France story uh, also yeah. involving Macron. Uh, Kira, you want to tell us about Facebook? Sure. This is pretty, this is pretty terrifying. Um, mm. We've seen this in other countries, I think, uh, we saw that in America and, and it's it there is I know a lot of uh, discussions of it being put into practice in England. I'm not really sure where that's been at. But um, in France, this woman is facing a trial and a 12,000 euro fine for insulting Macron on Facebook. Uh-huh. So uh, a woman in northern France is going to be put on trial on charges of insulting President Mac Macron after describing him as filth in a Facebook post. He is filth. Um, <laughs> he is filth. Correct. Yeah. For, for the record. Uh, for, the, for, for the record. Yes, he is filth. Um, she risks a fine of 12,000 euros, but uh, not prison if convicted at the trial to be held on. Wait, but not prison. I'm not really sure. She risks a fine of 12,000 euros um, and 
And a child's being held um, about this in June. So she was held. She was arrested on Friday and held in questioning. I think, I, sorry, just to be clear, just to be clear, she uh, is not in danger of going to prison. Although a, a fine that large without a prison sentence Thank is you. quite unusual. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. So um, let's see here. Um, the complaint focused on a post on her Facebook page made on March 21st, the day before Macron gave a lunchtime interview to a TF1 television to defend his controversial pension reforms that we were just discussing mm-hmm. uh, that have sparked nationwide protests. Um, she wrote, this piece of filth is going to address you at 1 p.m. It's always on television that we see this filth. And that's it. That's it. She stands accused of insulting the president of the republic and will stand trial on June 20th. And what kind of shocks me is like how quickly the the law enforcement is kind of like, you know, crashed down on her. She made this post on March 21st. Mm-hmm. And now she's already being, um, you know, threatened. Yeah. So it's, it, this is pretty terrifying. Um, she says that they want to make an example of me. Um, she said that uh, she was astonished when she answered the knock on the door on Friday morning to find police had come to arrest her. I asked them if it was a joke. I had never been arrested. She said, I'm not public enemy number one. So that's that. Pretty yeah. disgusting. Yeah, it sounds to me like Macron is actually filth. It sounds like he is filth. And I yeah. think the more filth, people that say it, especially yeah. if you aren't in France and you're not subject to the laws that, <laughs> yeah, you true. know, that, uh, you know, oversee the country of France, then you should say that as much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what we should do. Yeah, this definitely, yeah. if anything, just con- further confirms how much he is in fact filth. Yeah, um, it's a bit. It's a bit like that uh, Matty Lubchansky comic where the guy is uh, saying like, "Are you triggered? Are you triggered?" While he's like tattooing a swastika on his head and shaving his hair <laughs> off and all that. Like, it's just like. It's just like, how dare you call me call me filth? I'm gonna like fine you twelve thousand euros. Like, yeah, man, that's filth behavior. So <laughs> good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. good job. It yeah. happened. But um, could you, Mule, tell me what's going on with uh, sex workers in Amsterdam? I will. I will tell you about that. Um, so uh, most people know um, Amsterdam for basically having a lot of sex work going on there, the red light district and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, there are some new rules. Uh, sex and sex workers are protesting in Amsterdam uh, with, and the headline basically says this is not a zoo. Um, so new rules for sex workers are coming into force on April 1st, according to officials requiring Amsterdam's sex work businesses to close their doors at 3 a.m. rather than 6 a.m. to combat what local authorities describe as nuisance behavior by people visiting the red light district. The reduced hours come amid an ongoing campaign by the city council to move sex workers into an, quote, erotic center. Um I, I didn't think the erotic center was a physical place in a city. I thought that was just, I thought that was a personal anyway. Um, so yeah, um, basically outside of the heart of the city, they're basically trying to move, move the red light districts outside of the heart of the city. Uh-huh. Uh, Amsterdam is also introducing measures to limit waterway cruises and impose restrictions on vacation rentals as well as lobbying for an aviation tax to tackle budget flights. Uh, Several sex workers told CNN the reforms aimed at them are increasing stigma uh, and that they believe they are being unfairly discriminated against and used as a scapegoat for the city's problem with mass tourism. Uh, And I'm inclined to agree, to be honest, because, you know, they don't appear to be trying to, you know, stop people from uh, smoking weed, despite 
them having sort of played with that in the past. The the telling uh, tourists that they need to get like a green card, quote unquote, not the same green card in America, but right, 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 uh, you know, hmm. a weed card in order to uh, go and smonk the dank in Amsterdam. Sounds um, like but, some shit Keir Starmer would ask to see. Like, yeah, yeah. It do you is. have your weed card? Do you have Why your you... weed card? Um, are you oh. smoking a joint there? Uh, and I hope you is... have your weed license. That's the most heavy drug going, actually. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Felicia Anna, not her real name. Uh, for privacy reasons, is a former sex worker who has lived in Amsterdam for 13 years uh, and is now the chairperson of Red Light United, a union for window workers in Amsterdam's Red Light district, uh-huh. which sounds really fucking cool and based. Uh, Anna says the reduced business hours will drastically reduce income for window workers, leaving many barely able to cover expenses. If you don't know what window workers are, if you've um, never been to Amsterdam, the, uh, the red light district, there are basically sex workers that will hang out in windows as an advertisement, um, you know, to people who would want to come in and have sex, basically. Um, and uh, yeah, so they are basically trying to, um, you know, well, you know, they're not saying that they're trying to do this, but this is what's going to happen if 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 these laws come to pass, basically, that window workers, uh, you know, will lose a lot of income. Um, you know, they have to be able to cover expenses like window room rent, taxis to get home safely. Um, Felicia Anna says most of the workers start work after 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning when the bars mm. start to close down because obviously that is... Yeah. You know, that's when they're going to get high traffic. It makes sense, right? It's just, you know, mm-hmm. standard uh, 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 sort of, uh, yeah, that just makes sense. It's logic. Um, Anna told CNN, CNN, now you have maybe two hours to make any money, which is not enough. Uh, yeah. Violet, which is also an alias named due to privacy concerns, is a sex worker and coordinator for the Prostitution Information Center, PIC, which is an Amsterdam-based organization that provides information and education about sex work. Violet says the reduced hours will particularly impact the transgender community, stating that many clients who come between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. request transgender sex workers. Uh, She also spoke about welfare concerns for all sex workers, explaining how it could impact their ability to get home safely. Um, if you're traveling from, if you're traveling home at three o'clock in the morning, she says, um, especially if everything is closed, then that leaves you as a sex worker in greater vulnerability, comparing uh-huh. it to six a.m., which they said is more social activity and transport options. Uh, ours, she says, is usually a cash-based income, so at that time in the morning, we could be traveling around with a lot of cash, and you know, we're talking a lot of cash. Um, if there are not many people out in the streets, this gives people who would wish to do as harm an opportunity to do so. Yeah. Uh, the, there was a protest organized by sex workers interrupt, uh, and they interrupted a city council meeting on Thursday based, based. <laughs> um, and this city council meeting was discussing location options for the proposed erotic center. Um, I, I think just like a, a little bit of, um, personal insight on this and not, not in terms of like sex worker experience, but in terms of like people who want to move quote unquote undesirable things mm. from one place to another. Um, you know, sometimes we get things like this, um, in the tenants union, for example, when, when people are desperate to move undesirable neighbors to, yeah other places or like decide who gets to live where and stuff like that. But the the issue with this 
is not just one of ethics, like, you know, you shouldn't be deciding who gets to live where. That sounds like it's going to be a bit of a slippery slope, and it has been in, you know, in, in history. Um, but also, you are just moving those, quote-unquote, undesirable people to another place where they yeah. will be seen as undesirable, and, and therefore... Yeah what are you actually achieving you know relocation like... is an essential part of what we call problematization which is yes uh, how how a community is increasingly made into a problem not just treated as a problem to begin with but like if they're relocated then like you're saying when they are put into the new place the people in that new place are like why are there suddenly these people who I didn't, you know, I didn't yeah. ask to have around, you know? And mm. then and then they'll they'll register all the complaints from those people and be like, look, you're not getting on with any of your neighbors. Clearly you're a problem and so on and so on. Yeah, for sure. It's just it's just not a solution. You know, anyone with any kind of experience of, you know, actual demographics oh. or city planning or anything like that will know that this is just not it's not a viable um you know solution the solution um isn't required actually there's because you know <laughs> sex workers are you know uh, uh gonna just be impacted terribly by this um yeah. but also how Seymour has uh, previously stated that some visitors see window workers as only a tourist attraction arguing that an erotic center will reduce the pressure on the red light district and create a place where sex workers can work safely and undisturbed sex workers however disagree with red light united arguing that the erotic center could create an environment for more crime and quote-unquote shady behavior uh, they say the beneficial thing, oh, sorry, Felicia Anna says the beneficial thing for working behind the window is that it is visible and you feel safer. In an erotic mm. center, you don't have the same feeling because you're closed off in a building. Yeah. Um, she also uh, uh, echoed safety concerns, arguing that relocating sex workers would also remove some social protections. Um, you know, you, oh, this, yeah, this is basically what, what, what we were saying before. You're going to get more concentrated behaviors in an area which can't be monitored as well. Uh, it's not subject to public scrutiny. Um, and um, one of the great things that's so, so great about being a sex worker in Amsterdam is that when people get their cameras out and try to take photos, it's not just the sex workers who, who help, but also the local community. And that is something I actually have personal experience of because I remember going to Amsterdam with a group of lads when I was about, well, how old was I? 19 or something like that. Um, and they were trying to take pictures of sex workers. And I think one of them nearly got punched, um, basically. So yeah, it's a legit thing that legitimately happens. Just members of the public will be like, what are you doing, bro? Fuck off. Um, yeah, the city council has also introduced several campaigns, including the Stay Away campaign, which initially targeted young British men, triggering a video advertisement that warns of antisocial behavior if they search for terms such as Stag Party Amsterdam, Cheap Hotel Amsterdam, or Pub Crawl Amsterdam. Anna believes the broader problem lies in the no rules attitude attached to the idea of Amsterdam, which she agrees needs to change. You can have several campaigns telling people to stay away, but people are not going to stay away. Uh, you need to teach people how to behave. If you don't do that, it's never going to change. And this this is not a zoo. Um, I think that this is really pertinent and this speaks to not just, you know, um, you know, it's, it's true. We need to teach people how to behave, you know, to sex work towards sex workers. But, you know, that I think can only really happen if there is a decriminalization, like an actual decriminalization effort, um, you know, liberation effort, actually, mm. not just decriminalization for sex workers everywhere, because if sex workers are then present, everywhere then british yeah. men will not be like let's go to amsterdam where we could do whatever we want and all the rules mm. you could break all the rules there you yeah because they'll, they'll be like far away people who don't matter 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the, it's like a, a kind of othering. Like it, it's like, yeah. oh well, we'll go to Amsterdam, do whatever we want. It will be dead funny, and then you know we could just go home when when it's all done, right? So yeah, that's the that's the story about um, uh, 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 Amsterdam. And uh, thank you for telling up, us about the erotic center. It, it's really important to know about the erotic center. Just in my, I, I do know, I know about the erotic center, but I'm glad that you told the the chatters about it. They need to know. I, they need to know, especially chatters and listeners and lurkers and, and weirdos and creeps. Creeps. Yeah. Um, but Kira, why don't you tell us about what is going on in uh, the Al Aqsa Mosque? Yeah. So, um, as usual, Israel is up to bullshit and un- and just terrorizing Palestinian people. So right now, uh, Ramadan is happening. So. Ramadan is just a little bit of background on Ramadan. Uh, Ramadan is the most sacred month of the year for Muslims. is uh-huh. observed by Muslims all over the all over the world um, as a month for fasting, prayer, reflection, and community. Um, it's a commemoration of Muhammad's first revelation, and the annual observance of Ramadan is regarded as one of the five pillars of Islam, and it lasts from twenty nine to thirty days. And if you're wondering why uh, you don't, it's it, if you're if you're ever questioning like when Ramadan is it it's always a little bit different every year because it it goes off of like moon cycles instead of like Mm. calendar months so um it's from one side of the crescent moon to the next and so this year ramadan falls from the evening of uh march 22nd until the evening of april 20th yeah so um and to continue this, Al-Aqsa Mosque is, a, the Al-Aqsa Mosque um, compound is a very, very important site for Muslims, and therefore is very important in the observance of Ramadan. Uh, Muslims regard this site as the third holiest in Islam after Mecca and Medina. It's located in Jerusalem. It's under and under Israeli occupation. Israel captured this site in the 1967 uh, war and annexed it with the rest of East Jerusalem and adjoining parts of the West Bank. Of course, in a move that is not recognized as a legitimate internationally. So uh, with that little bit of background, before dawn on Wednesday, uh, Israeli police stormed Al-Aqsa Mosque compound in uh, the occupied East Jerusalem and attacked dozens of worshipers. Um, it's pretty brutal what they did. And so they're they're frequently doing this. This is not the first time Israel has done this for the record. And I don't think this will be the last time they do this over the course of Ramadan. Israeli police, this is what they're saying. They're claiming that they're responding to rioting and they had to beat the worshipers with batons and they had to use tear gas and they had to use sound bombs to force them out of the prayer halls. They said that these were mass agitators and they locked themselves into the mosque using fireworks, sticks, and stones. Can you believe it? Um, oh my wow. Yeah. When the police so entered, sticks and stones? How and, is, and, how and is some someone- fireworks? Can How you... is someone in, in like full riot gear with a Tavor X95 um, supposed to like possibly defend themselves to that? That's ridiculous. <laughs> so the fire, by the way, the fireworks were fired inside the mosque uh, when they were being attacked by the by the uh, Israeli occupying forces. For the record, Jesus. they're not just like sitting there just like being assholes. Um, so uh, did you know that one Israeli uh, occupying uh, officer was wounded in the leg? Oh, so. no, I definitely care about that. 
<laughs> yeah. Israeli police said that they made this prior agreement with the Al-Aqsa Aqsa compound authorities and said that no one was allowed to spend the night inside the compound during the month of Ramadan. And that police said they peacefully tried to convince people to leave. But when that didn't happen, they had to force their way into Al-Aqsa. So... Palestinian Authority Prime Minister Mohammed Shtayyeh, I can't say his last name, I apologize. He condemned what happened as a major crime against worshippers, and so is, by the way, the rest of the Muslim and Arab world, adding that prayer in Al-Aqsa Mosque is not with the permission of the Israeli occupation. It is our rights. It should also be said, by the way, that overnight prayer is part, it's not compulsory, but it is part of the, the, uh, the celebration or the observance of Ramadan. So this it's occupying the one of the most holiest sites for muslims restricting who can enter like when they can enter claiming that they have some authority to do this and then taking that as an excuse to go inside that site during the holiest time of the year ramadan to terrorize palestinians worshiping jesus is is just an it's abominable it's just it's it's vile it should also be noted that like ramadan for muslims is like a time of mercy like a lot like you like hear a lot of people talking about like mercy and like what are you going to do with your mercy this ramadan and stuff so yeah. like you know doing it at, at this time of year when like you know muslims are basically like you know trying to feel close to the you know they're trying to get closer to allah they're trying to get like you know mm -hmm. uh you know feel more spiritual and like you know give give charitably and all this kind of stuff it's like it just makes it that much more insidious you know mm -hmm. yeah Absolutely. That's I, I have a quick question. Um, uh, death to the Israeli regime? Question mark. No, full stop. That was it. I'm done. <laughs> um, I just want to add that this what I was just mentioning is one specific incidence amongst many. So right now, I believe there's like 400 Palestinians, I think, in custody. If I if the last I checked. Um, oh, you can find video footage of, of Israeli occupying forces terrorizing worshipers that are outside of buildings in the middle of the day. They're just pushing them around, not allowing them to actually like just exist. So Fuck. just to be clear, this is one incident of many that I, I assume will continue to transpire, unfortunately, as Ramadan continues. Fuck Israel. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Horrific. Um, you know yes. who else? Yeah, yeah segueing to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, fuck who else? Uh, that's right. It's Jeff Bezos. Uh, so um, leaked Boo. documents from Amazon's Global Security Operations Center, which does sound like some Bond villain ass shit. Um, no, I'm going to back up on that one. It sounds like some Metal Gear ass shit, right? It sounds like it sounds like <laughs> villains from a Kojima game or like Cartoon Resident Evil. villain. Yeah, but they're yeah. in real life. Make it yeah. real life. Global Security Operations Center documents uh, from Amazon uh, show that the megacorp is spying on unions and not just their unions uh, and their own workers, but uh, all the unions, as well as environmentalists and other social movements. Uh, and when I say that they're spying on them, who do you think Amazon has doing the spying? That's right. It's everyone's favorite union busting little uh, private police force creeps the pinkertons the literal oh, actual pinkertons joy. from the 
original wave of uh, violence and union busting in the 20th century uh, now are working for uh, now working for Amazon. And I think we noted this before. Amazon also, and I, I definitely mentioned this last time we we, we talked about it. Amazon has made um, an Amazon Prime series called Pinkertons, uh, where the Pinkertons are the good guys, and it follows the first female detective. Um, so, I mean, broadly, just like fuck Amazon is the kind of the the main takeaway here. But I'll read a little bit from the article. Um, where was it? Where was it? Where was it? Um, some of the internal reports obtained by Motherboard also suggest that Amazon's risk analysts use the same tactics to monitor its hundreds of thousands of warehouse and delivery drivers throughout the Americas, the Middle East, Australia, and East Asia. Uh, it's not enough for Amazon to abuse its dominant market power and face antitrust charges by the EU. Now they're exporting 19th century American union busting tactics to Europe. Christy Hoffman, General Secretary of UNI Global Union, a global federation of trade unions that represents more than 20 million workers, told Motherboard. This is a company that is ignoring the law, spying on workers, and using every page of the US union busting playbook to silence workers' voices. For years, uh, people have been comparing big tech bosses to 19th century robber barons, she continued, and now, by using the Pinkertons to do his dirty work, Jeff, Jeff Bezos is making that connection even clearer. Um, until recently, little had been made public about Amazon's anti-worker initiatives and strategies, despite years of reports on Amazon's opposition to, to union activity and alleged retaliation against workers who organize in the United States. In September, after public outcry, Amazon removed two job postings for intelligence analysts for its global security operations center who could track labor organizing threats to the company. Fluency of a second language such as Hindi, Tagalog, Spanish, Arabic, French, Mandarin, Korean, Japanese, or Brazilian Portuguese, highly desired, the posting read, suggesting the company is tracking labor organizing around the world. Awesome. Uh, mm. Love that. No, I don't love that, actually. No. Um, a source of a the knowledge of the company's intelligence activities told Motherboard that in order to track protests and other labor organizing activity, Amazon intelligence agents create social media accounts without photos and track the online activity of workers leading organizing efforts. Motherboard granted the source anonymity because they feared retaliation from Amazon. When that team stalked people, they'd use fake accounts on social media, they said. They'd use a fake name with a, and a profile with no photo. The worst part is that they read tons of conversations and messages and knew everything about the private lives of these people. They knew if they had a bad day with their family. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to say that uh, first and foremost, fuck Amazon. Uh, it can't be said enough. Um, but it's really, it's really worth saying that um, it's really worth saying that this demonstrates uh amazon forming some kind of similar organs to a modern capitalist state right like having its own internal internal uh intelligence forces uh which is pretty scary i think that um that goes to show some of the um the ways in which uh wealth accumulation for the ultra rich um just form the same form the same patterns uh, when it's protecting the same amount of wealth. Bezos is one of the richest people in the entire world. And uh, yeah, uh, Amazon Sophie, is... Uh, you know yeah. books, don't you? I, I'm certain that there is a book, and I might have read it when I was like young and didn't really understand it, but I'm absolutely certain that there's like a, a book that's like a fiction dystopian universe where like countries are just like companies... <laughs> and like, and like, and a little bit of me is is saying like, have I just you, 
quite a few books like that, babe. Are you thinking that's what of, I was thinking? Yeah, 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 yeah. the whole yeah. genre of cyberpunk. But I mean, this is something that I broadly say is not really the future that we're looking at. Um, I don't think that companies will overtake states because states need to exist to mediate class tensions in favor of the ruling class. Um, but what I'm trying to comment on here is really that it's it's quite scary that without the um, accountability of being recognized as a state with citizens, Amazon is able to do all the scariest shit that states can do, but with no kind of uh, recourse or, or way to stop them. Um, right, that's enough, Amazon. Um, Mule, what's happening in Nebraska? Uh, well, some really awesome stuff is going on in Nebraska, and it is... Um, for want of a better explanation, it's uh, a, a Democratic uh, senator, a couple of Democratic senators uh, who are using the GOP's classic uh, 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 technique of filibustering for good. It's it's actually happening. They're doing it for good. And and this mm-hmm. is really awesome. Erin um, uh, Reed, uh, a.k.a. Erin in the Morn, who is uh, a really good uh, reporter on Twitter for, for uh, basically all the anti-trans bills uh, that you will be hearing about in the in the U.S. Uh, was speaking about this earlier. Um, and uh, she was basically saying that Senators Kavanaugh, Hunt, Fredrickson and others are continuing to filibuster the Nebraska legislature to stop a trans healthcare ban. It's gone on for months. So what's actually happening there? So Nebraska lawmakers haven't passed a single bill this session as a state lawmaker continues a week's long filibuster protest over trans rights and vows to, quote, burn this session to the ground. If she has to, which is really fucking awesome. Uh, Starting in February, Kavanaugh has filibustered every bill that has come before the legislature this session. She's she's protesting proposal LB574. Brace yourself, audience, for the most disgusting named uh, uh, bill regarding uh, Uh. anti-trans stuff. Let them grow act. Oh, God. Just fucking disgusting. Um, which was put forward by Republican, uh, by a Republican lawmaker. Under the bill's current version, physicians will be barred from providing gender affirming procedures and care for Nebraska residents younger than 19. Kavanaugh talks for up to 12 hours a day on the floor to prevent bills passing, speaking on everything from the bills themselves to her favorite salads. Which I think is really I like Caesar. Awesome. I yeah, Caesar last salad. Last time we talked about this, she she recounted the entire plot of Madagascar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. just really, really awesome stuff. Um, so yeah, you know, like I said, using the uh, uh, the Republicans' favorite weapon against them. Um, she's made her intentions clear. Basically, she says, "Quote: If this collectively, if this le- if this legislature collectively decides that legislating hate against children is our priority, then I'm going to make it painful, painful for everyone." Uh, there has been a record number of anti-LGBTQ bills introduced in state legislators this year. I'm sure that you are all aware as listeners of Red Planet. Um, the American Civil Liberties Union uh, has been tr- tracking 452 anti-LGBTQ bills in the U.S. that cover everything from access to healthcare to participating in school activities. Um, and again, I want to talk to my other cis queer people out there. Yeah, LGBTQ, anti-LGBTQ, not just anti-trans. This is something we've been saying for years and years. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter that, you know, they're also coming for cis queers as well. But 
you know, we told you in it and trans people have been telling you for yonks. Yeah. It's not just trans people who are under threat here. Um, but yes, they've been, they've been, uh, 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 you know, tracking 452 anti LGBTQ bills in the US that cover, um, all those things that we just said. The Biden administration has apparently, uh, announced a new proposal that would make it illegal for schools to broadly ban transgender students from sport teams that align with their gender identity rather than their assigned sex at birth. That sounds good, but. I would rather the Biden administration make gonna, it illegal to, to ban healthcare. The malarkey. You know, I, yeah, malarkey over apparently, but um, I would like to see action. I would, yeah, I would like to see like uh, less malarkey, um, you know, and I would like to see him, you know, make it illegal for, um, you know, doctors to not prescribe healthcare for trans. I think people. Biden should be illegal. Uh, yeah, me too, actually. I think all presidents should be illegal, every kind of yeah. leader in the world. Um, yeah. Anyway, speaking to NPR no God, on Friday. No <laughs> That's good. We should put that on a t-shirt. Um, so uh, speaking to NPR on Friday, Kavanaugh said she was pushing back against a new trend in politics. Um, she says, I don't know why, as a nation, as policymakers, there is this newfound focus on trans children. Trans children have always existed. They have always lived in our society, in our schools, in our families. And all of a sudden, there is a decision by policymakers that we need to do something about them. It doesn't make any sense to me. And so I don't think any policies that restrict the rights of children because they are trans are appropriate. And you know what I say to that? Based. And that is the, is the end. She is a queen. She's an absolute queen. What a legend. Um, and with that, the news session segment is over. It's finished. It's over. Um, so, yeah. That's that, basically. If you got yeah. this far, we've just inserted all sorts of knowledge into your brain. So, so you much just take knowledge. a moment and just just feel that knowledge. Just You're feel knowledge that knowledge right inserted into your brain. Yeah. Feel it Can swirl feel around. It's, it's kind of jiggling around in there. Like you feel like it might spill out, but it's not gonna because you're holding your brain really tense. And that's really good. Well done. That's good. Um, so if if you want your brain to be even more full though, um, <laughs> like stretch it out. More even, jiggly. Like, you know, like make your brain kind of like wider um like maybe more tender uh you could go to patreon.com slash red underscore planet um where hopefully soon there's actually going to be bonus content as well uh which you can definitely Ooh. stretch your brain with uh we can't tell you more about it right now but when it's been recorded we will be able to so we so now I guess this have week Oh, go on, yeah. Sophie. Sorry. Yeah, well, I've actually it. interviewed people from from this org before. Uh, when I did a series called Organizing Interviews on my channel, uh, I guess this week are uh, from Common Humanity Collective, who are a West Coast uh, mutual aid organization who started during the pandemic. Uh, I don't really want to tell too much about them because, although I have chatted at length with them before, I think that they'll they'll tell it best themselves. Uh, they've done a lot of really interesting and cool stuff. Um, as I said, they started during the pandemic, uh, but they kind of, they've, they, something I was really impressed, two things I was really impressed by when I talked to them before were that they, uh, said that the people I talked to at least said that they were most inspired by, uh, the Black Panther Party, which is cool. Um, and, and also that the, uh, the way that they, uh, branched out from different things, uh, as their, as their mission grew and they, they reached more people, which I just... I don't know. I was just really impressed by. It. I I think they're a, they're a cool bunch, but they can tell you in their own words. 
Uh, I think we have Larry and Grant from Common Humanity Collective here to join us. Hey, how's it going? Hello, great to see all of you. Hey there. Good, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having us. So tell us a little bit about what Common Humanity Collective does. What are you all about? What do you do? What's going on? Fill us in. Yeah, uh, of course. Uh, I, 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 I guess I'll give my piece, and Larry, if you want to, if you want to jump in, please, uh, please do. Um, so, uh, Common Humanity Co uh, Collective is a Bay Area uh, local mutual aid org um, that we got its start uh, at the at, 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 at during the twenty at like about about the height of the twenty twenty pandemic out here. Um, started started off being a collective of like Ber of Berkeley scholars um, who, with help from a grant uh, from uh, from from the from the uh, from the UC, actually went ahead and started off by like creating. Uh, if if, if y'all remember back then, like there was the um, there was the massive I issue with supply uh, with supplying hand sanitizer. So they got so um, the org the org got to start. Uh, creating hand sanitizer and distributing that out, and then slowly but surely, um, as other things, as as other issues mounted, next one being like um, uh, the lack of masks, uh, figuring out ways of of providing high filtration masks that could be uh, that, that, that could be put together, um, done uh, at, done at, done at a point, especially during like uh, more like the, during the, like when we we're in stricter lockdowns. Uh, that we've done like at, at a distance over Zoom calls, getting people together, uh, distributing out kits and like putting these masks together and getting them out there to the community. Um, as we moved into that very hectic wildfire season, there became that need to, uh, as we as we identified um, uh, uh, the lack of like um, good quality air within, uh, particularly around like um, Oakland, uh, Oakland, Emeryville, that area. Um, Putting together these DIY air purifiers uh, between like a box fan and some other some other pieces, and then hosting outdoor builds, bringing the community together, and um, get like letting people like a like during this this moment where people everyone's isolated coming together to build something that people can bring into their homes and like a have good quality air, but also know that like like they. That 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 that, was, that this was something that they did for themselves that they can that they can they can share and spread with them, uh, with others in the community, uh, friends, family, all of that. Um, so yeah, uh, since then uh, we've kind of we've kind of just been an org that that does our best to kind of uh, engage with different community endeavors, whether that be with with churches, other uh, other local orgs, and just trying to do our do what we can to kind of build community and like create those networks of solidarity and reciprocity, um, and really build that spirit of mutual aid. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of what that, that's kind of my that's kind of my uh, spiel on uh, CHC, Larry. I don't know if if whatever I if what I said the first kind of what from what you kind of have taken from the org. Yeah, I totally covered the basics there. Um, we uh, I mean we've kind of progressed in terms of our activities, um, and I come at it from a, a mechanical engineering perspective. Um, so from the hand sanitizers, uh, resource wise, like that's something where it was like an emergency situation. Um, and the resources were there um, at UC labs and places like that to actually put it together. Uh, and then there was a giant mask shortage. And so um, one of our fellow volunteers came up with a really nice design of pleating um, 
uh, 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 filter material such that you didn't need to sew it and making a really high quality, high filtration mask uh, compared to an N95, they're about an N98 or so. Um, and these are masks that people can wow. put together. Um, we made kits for those to have hand out to people that they then took home and we had Zoom meetings where everybody would build a bunch of masks and then distribute them. Um, and so those were uh, in pretty high quantity. Um, and then uh, from there, like uh, like like Grant was talking about the uh, air purifiers, that's kind of where I came in um, after the after the first round of that. Um, I'd been doing that on my own, um, putting together box fans and furnace filters and cardboard and stuff like that um, from the fires that started around 2017 or so when the sky turned orange here. <laughs> kind of realized, oh yeah, we really need to care about the the uh, quality of mm -hmm. air in our homes. Mm -hmm. Um, and we've been doing a whole bunch of other activities alongside those things. It's not just not just that, but I think we're at our um, at our core is when we're building stuff um, for ourselves and others and getting people engaged in the process. That is so awesome. And um, so you you this this all basically came about during COVID. Um, and I guess, yeah, I guess like one of the questions that I'd want to ask is, you know, how how have you been getting the the community involved like what what did that look i know you said that you were holding like a lot of zoom meetings and stuff like that but like you know talk to us about the the kind of like struggles that you had in in sort of getting people involved and trying to get because i think like that one of the one of the things that i think our audience you know get a little doom pilled about is like how do we get people to understand that like we need to help each other <laughs> yeah um i don't know there do, do you want to answer this first or do you want me to Oh, uh, I mean, it just maybe it can get to describe the range of things we're doing now. And then Grant, maybe you can fill us in on the rest. But um, we're, yeah. it, it ranges from um, like with the those mask builds over Zoom um, have also turned into uh, mask builds, mass builds uh, that we do in person, uh, usually outside. Um, we'll get together a whole bunch of tables and supplies and get 50 people together and uh, bang out a whole bunch of those things. Or we've been doing that with air purifiers as well. And we just had our first indoor build a few weeks ago uh, where we had air purifiers running, everybody was wearing a mask and we were getting together and building these things. Um, and other, other circumstances in terms of getting longer term engagement is we had a couple of mask builds with a particular church where we built a personal relationship with them and kind of kept that going. And where the you know folks themselves could use the masks and then hand them out to people who needed them as well. Um, Grant, you want to pick up from there? Yeah, um, but pretty, pretty much spot on uh, what Larry said there. I, I go even further to say, like, especially back uh, in 2020, um, when uh, like this project was just was just, was just kind of having its start, and this is before I before I actually joined on. Um, but during that during that during those early phases, um, like it was pretty much like that, like coming in. Um, when people are asking the question of like, okay, how how do I how do I get hand, how do I get hand sanitizer? How do I get um these uh, these masks? And like, especially at that time, um, there was a, there there is a, an organization out here. I think Bay Area Mutual Aid um, that the, a bunch of groups were uh, were like were, were collaborating and engaging with each other to kind of figure out how do we go how do we go about like getting people engaged in like meeting and meeting need uh of what CHC was a part of um uh, so especially during during those early phases uh it was like us working with these other orgs uh and and their connections to uh to uh to, to community members and like from there like distributing out mass kits 
and then hosting uh, hosting Zoom meetings at, at, certain, at certain times and certain dates to try to get as many people on board with it. And then from there, once, once masks were made, um, Either going out to, to the places that we uh, that we that we had that we had sent out kits, and like from there figuring out okay where where should, where can we maximize like this distribution and like getting these out to people who need them. Um, so it was, it was really a mixture of like just kind of engaging existing community like community uh, community structures, kind of like what and and like also being willing to kind of like go out there and like just talk just talk to people talk to uh talk to existing community groups like um like Larry mentioned with, with the church um during th during that like we were calling different churches just, just kind of telling them what what, what we wanted to, what we wanted to do what, what, we, what how we wanted to work with them to kind of um to kind of to, to meet needs uh i think that's and I, and I think getting to your point about like getting getting people off like that that, that doomer pill of like there's nothing there's, like there's nothing to do um there's a lot to do um like if you if you take the time to try to, to try to look at uh and like really search into uh, into what's being done in your area by different groups um you'll 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 stumble you'll, you'll definitely stumble onto something um and i can't say that 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 that's true of, of every place it's, it's we're definitely in a, in, a, in a position here in the bay area where we have a bunch of urban uh, urban centers that kind of make it easier for 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 people to kind of congregate and like meet, talk, interact, and engage in these kind of collective um, endeavors. Um, but it was it was trying to for especially for for an org kind of coming out of the pandemic, it was very important to just kind of put our put uh, put ourselves out there and just kind of encourage people to kind of come uh, to kind of come in and like see that this is something that can be done. To tangibly benefit not just like people uh, people individually, but uh, communities at uh, communities at scale, and I think I think doing that kind of built uh it kind of built a, a good foundation for for other people to just kind of naturally start telling people like hey, there's this or, there's this group here that's doing these builds like if you want to come come through on, on on like their mask build or their air purifier build let's see let's see what what it's all about and like um yeah um. I, so I would say that, that that's kind of how we've kind of been navigating through that uh, that that domain. It sounds quite difficult because I think um, and and when you're um, I mean I don't want to say selling because you're not selling but like <laughs> selling selling the idea um, of like masks and air purifiers like you mentioned the fires obviously like the horrific like forest fires that like devastated California um, mm -hmm. and um, you know but also like you know during COVID nineteen obviously there was a lot of focus on masks as well um, and like I, I, how are you selling like the 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 mutual aid nowadays because people. I think even in progressive circles are starting to just be like, well, COVID isn't a problem anymore, uh, even though it most certainly is. Um, and, um, you know, just aren't really seeing the, the necessity of, of, of uh, you know, wearing masks and what have you. Like, how are you selling the, the idea of, you know, creating these, these items in order to serve the community? Um, yeah, I mean, they kind of, we build on people who are interested. So we're, I mean, that kind of level of public education is going to be pretty tough, but there is, especially in the San Francisco Bay area, there's fortunately is still a fair amount of interest here. Um, and then, I mean, I think everybody sees the need for air quality health with wildfire smoke, um, mm -hmm. and even, and even pollution, like, uh, there are freeways running right upwind of all the East Bay cities here, Oakland, Berkeley, everywhere else there. Um, and so, like the like we did a, and to, to your prior question about models of engagement, um, we've done things like uh, builds at schools or builds at street fairs, 
And uh, we had a street fair in Oakland in particular last year that was really excellent in terms of the way we did it was we had people step up and actually build an air purifier on the spot. Um, so we showed them how to put the box fan and filter together and how, how that all went. Um, the trouble there was that the need is so great and, and people really, I mean, really want to improve their indoor air quality, whether it's for smoke or car pollution or anything else or COVID safety. Um, and so here we are a little, uh, little org working off, you know, we had some, some, uh, con large contributions earlier, but now we're trying to become a sustainable organization where we, um, and, you know, when it comes to something like a box fan, which will be about $25, $30 US versus a, and an air filter is $10 to $15, um, it adds up real quick. And it's like, we're really trying to to uh, to also do an education element, like I talked about with going into classrooms and teaching kids how to build them and then having them take them home, um, is that uh, it's it, part of it is about self-empowerment. Like we're not helpless here. We really can use the materials available to us um, we don't have to pay through the nose for a two hundred dollar HEPA air purifier. You can make one for forty bucks that performs better. Um, and how does that actually work? Um, mm -hmm. And I can talk to this technical details of air purifiers and that kind of stuff later on if you want to. But glad to pursue the um, pursue. I'm the... totally down to have that conversation. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, I would yeah. love to nerd out on stuff like that. So we've done, we've done stuff like that on my stream where we nerd out on like different devices. We haven't done one on air purifiers, but um, I would love to nerd out. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to mention something. Um, it's less of a question and more of just like a comment. Um, I, with the with the fires, um, when were they? Was it 2017 or 2020? Or I can't even tell time anymore. When the skies all turned orange, whatever. What what it was in the the past, right? The um, past. <laughs> that was when it was made. At least I became like very aware that there and is a. It's in the future. Thank you, so. Sophie. That's when I became like very palpably aware that there is depressingly a luxury air like industry. There's a there's a segment of capitalism that that monetizes air, right? And monetizes clean air. And poor people are not afforded this luxury. Rich people, when the for when those forest fires um were were plaguing so many states, were able to, you know, shut their windows and run their HEPA filters, or were able to check into like a Hilton or something, or or maybe take a take a vacation. Um, whereas many of us did not have that luxury and we just had to inhale or or even had to like work out in the fields, right? To fight those fires. I know the prisoners were tasked with that, were um tasked with uh be effectively being enslaved to have to fight these fires because even other firefighters weren't taking these fights. Um, so I just wanted to comment on like how much respect I have for what y'all are doing, um, helping to educate the public to be able to, you know, help mutual create a a a, a, a mutual aid um, system to be able to empower each other and to not have to bow down to that segment of capitalism. I know you're talking about how it still unfortunately costs money to buy like the box fan and the filters, et cetera, um, and how you're trying to work around that. And that's just one of those, those, those realities of just living in the system that we live in. But I think still the amount that, that um, y'all been, what, what y'all are doing and the amount that you've been able to um, help, I think it's just really, really awesome. And I, I'd love to see it. And I think more people should be aware that unfortunately there is a segment of capitalism that is monetizing air as depressing as that is. And um, it does make profits when, say, the rest of us are choking. 
Reminds me a little bit of the healthcare industry where it's like, oh, well, you know, we've got all these chemicals in your food and things like that. that will get you sick, but um, hey, we'll charge you money to save your life. So yeah, yeah. like the, yeah. the organic food industry is like, it's a, an example of that, um, which is like the, it's not the, um, it's not ceasing the use of, of potentially harmful pesticides or any of that. It's saying, no, we're going to continue doing that. That's for the poorest. The rich yeah. can buy, can pay an extra amount that they're not going to, it's going to be negligible to them, but they can avoid those things. Um, I want to add to that comment. Like um, when you hear that an org is making air purifiers, that sounds like it's kind of too, too high tech for something to be, that's can be like people are getting together in groups and just making a bunch of them and giving them out for free. Uh, so it's really inspiring, I think, to, to see that that's happening. Uh, but I do have a question, and I, I'm sorry if I missed this in you, in you telling uh, before, but when did each of you get involved personally with CHC? Yeah. Um, so I got involved a little bit before Larry did. Um, it was at the, oh my God, time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was either late 2020 or early 2021 um but at the time uh i had i had actually heard about chc uh through in depth like so at the tail end of 2020 i had joined the um, the local east bay dsa chapter and during that time period um as part again part of part of a uh chc's endeavors to kind of like Create these networks of community and solidarity. They, uh, the mass, they're, they're at the mass project, uh, was kind of a subsidiary, uh, cooperative endeavor between CHC and DSA. Um, so through networks, uh, networks and just asking questions as a, as a newbie to this organization, um, I found I ended up actually getting in contact with Janine, and Janine kind of helped helped invite me out to uh, one of their um, one of CHC's outdoor uh, mask builds, um, and that that's kind of so that, that that's that's kind of where it's where it, where it really started. Uh, being able to uh, and again, this, this kind of goes back to uh, what DJ had said earlier toward about getting people engaged. I know part, a part of it for me was uh, like was just again like looking around and just at, like finding it finding the dsa through dsa asking questions and then through that finding chc um and in that uh seeing what thc was doing uh the fact, the fact that, that they were out that they were out and engaging in, com in, in community and solidarity and trying to actively work to meet this need it really it really encouraged me and inspired me uh to kind of continue to, to, to continue engaging with them um uh, so I've I've been I've been with the Oryx since about 2021. Um, so moving through uh, so moving through uh, the wild wildfire seasons uh, as the uh, seeing the temperamental ways in which uh, our our state and country have have been dealing with uh, with the pandemic uh, and just also just seeing the seeing how needs uh have needs shift uh and maybe we can definitely speak speak uh, more to um like the point that dj raised about like um the fact that we're now living in a, in a landscape where the import assigned to uh mitigating the effects of covid has has dwindled dramatically compared to uh when this project had had was, was like was, was, yeah. was first founded um but it's 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 been a, it's been a process, uh, and just being able to work with other people uh, throughout through it all has just been mm. an amazing experience. Yeah, 
that's just it's so frustrating like to see that by the way like mm-hmm. i think everyone in this call understands the covid is very real it's mm-hmm. still killing tons of people yeah. mm-hmm. disproportionately hurting marginalized folks um i used to be an epidemiologist and i ended up leaving that that field for of uh, just for reasons nothing too dramatic but it, but i'm i'm almost like in some ways i think that it'd be really It'd be some, I, I was in an infectious disease epidemiology. So I, if I stayed, I would have probably been working with COVID. Um, uh. And there's a part of me that's like grateful that I'm not in it anymore because of the way that the public health, um, way that public health, especially in America, has been reacting to COVID is really, really frustrating. And uh. this is actually one of the big reasons I ended up leaving that industry is because it was very frustrating to, to know what you need to do, but then you can't do it because of all this garbage, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, mm. So... I, 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 again, I have a lot of admiration for y'all for, for still, still fighting the good fight, despite the nightmarishly like twilight zone like, like a way that a lot of people in the public are treating COVID. It's very, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, it's very yeah. upsetting for me. It's really hard yeah. for me to like leave the house and interact with like the world because of this. Absolutely. Um, so props, honestly. <laughs> Oh, thanks. But, yeah, I know I'm still being cautious myself, so it is difficult socially for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I've got accommodating friends. I went over to a friend's place and wore a mask while they didn't, and that was fine. Um, but uh, but you know, we made it work. But in general, like I'm not going out to bars and stuff like that, so it does make things pretty difficult. Yeah. Uh, the, it was. Go ahead. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say it was good for me because it gave me a really good excuse to just stop drinking. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just don't go to bars and I'm quite happy with that, actually. Just staying in and, uh, you know, watching films or doing a jigsaw puzzle. That's loads better. Yeah. And of course, you know, the, if that's the worst impact <laughs> on my life, it's not the the worst thing in the world. But I was going to say, based built on building on what Kira was saying before, is that meanwhile, the, the critters are just eating it, right? They can't get in here purifier. Uh, they're yeah, just right. It. Uh, and yeah. so it's an environmental cause, just the amount of animal suffering out there, it's pretty ridiculous. Awful, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank thanks for pointing to that. Yeah, um, I, I, I should, I, I have actually interviewed a couple of people from the collective before on my, um, on my main channel, and uh, it was Joe and Janine. Um, and I remember being struck then by, um, and I was saying this a little bit in the intro, how, um, just how cool it is to see like a, an org that's adapting to different crises that are going on like that you were responding to the pandemic to begin with and then and then responding to the fires and i'm just wondering if like there's been any kind of internal thinking about like if it's gonna if you if you guys are gonna try to uh continue that like to respond to other things in future if there are any things you're currently preparing for or anything like that it is uh, there do you want do you want do you want to speak to this well, I was going to say, because Grant, you're um, you're kind of on the public education side of things in terms of other activities to do. And it's not just building stuff, although that is kind of our core. But um, but yeah, go ahead. OK, um, yeah, the, 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 it's, it's a really good question, Sophie. And it's, it's an ongoing conversation that we do have that we, that we do bring up um, at our at our uh, organizing meetings uh, to try to have at least once uh, once weekly. Um, yeah. Uh, something that something something that came up uh, last year uh, in the wake of um, like in the wake of Roe v. Wade getting overturned, um, and just uh, and 
wanted and seeing just this wave of like anti-abortion legislation being passed uh, the nation over um mm. was was trying to, to see if there's if there's a, if there's a means by which like chc could could work to kind of meet need uh for or even like at least work with organizations within within states affect like afflicted oh. by um by anti-abortion uh, legislation, try to support um, people there that, that need access to uh, to either like. Well, you're uh, talking about dis- distributing mifepristone. Yes. Uh, wow. Like, no, well, not no, no, not the not, not the distribution. I, I don't, I know, I know, you're speaking to. So, but it was something that that we that we we the conversation that we had, um, and we while we haven't yet distributed like anything in, like uh, concrete, uh, one of mm-hmm. the endeavors that that we ended up doing um, at the end of last year was we hosted a uh, what was it a um, oh gosh. I forget the name of it. Auction, auction, uh, a community auction where um, members of the organization and and and, and, our, and some of our friends brought together like art pieces, uh, mm-hmm. poetry, um, all all of this just to kind of put uh, uh, raise money to send to uh, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting the org, um, but one of the orgs that um, that's working that that's that's working in um, I think it, I think it was Texas. Uh, and all of that. Uh, so it is something that, like, we're that, that, that we're trying to figure out what, uh, how, how best we can we can kind of come into these mounting crises, right? Uh, what recently the, the big the, the big one recently? I can't even say a big one recently because it feels like something something's happening every like every day, every week, um, especially here in the, I, I hear stateside. But like, what supporting people out in um, in like. And uh, what's it called? Um, East Palestine. Um, yes, but course. also, mm-hmm. but also then, but also then recognizing our own our, our own our own kind of limitation being a being a local a, a local aid org uh, and trying to kind of meet meet the meet mounting needs here. Uh, something mm. that we did that we're doing recent that that we did recently was we engaged with a uh, a uh, house like a. Uh, and maybe you you can speak to this a, a little more, uh, Larry. But the um, I'm forgetting I'm forgetting the, I'm forgetting the name of the org. Um, the Wood Street Wood Street Project. It's a it's a it's a project that works with house people, uh, and try uh, helping them uh help, help helping them like get, uh, get access to sanitation, uh, like at least uh, uh warm uh warm clothing, all of this. Uh, and I think something that we that that. Uh, a few members of our org did recently was they uh we got we got sawdust together and created some makeshift uh, like to- like toilets and toilet trees and provided toilet trees and it's just been like a it's, it's a constant it's a constant um like conversation like how do and like and this, this is and this is where we we get get into the spaces of like having forming networks of solidarity with other orgs so that we can help them is uh, particularly as they are be- as the, as they're better situated to more directly meet uh needs in, in, in that environment so it's just a constant uh this it's, it's something that, that we're constantly talking about and like a, a very recent uh, conversation that we had uh, last week at one of our at one of our org meetings was just discussing mutual aid and reciprocity and, and the nature of of like how when we engage different organizations, how the definition of mutual aid itself itself can kind of can kind of come into come into question toward mm. in the ways that we that, that we react and, ha- and the way that we engage each other. Yeah. So it's just something that 
there's no easy answer because uh, it's just it's just a mixture of figuring out what we can materially provide to a, to to any given to, to a given circumstance mm-hmm. and just maximizing like our ability to kind of do such in a way that it feels like we're actually helping people meet need mm-hmm. and also empowering community. Are you familiar with the fourth year's vinegar? The uh, uh, Dr. Michael Leufer. The um, oh, there, there are some anarchist guides on um, that have to do with uh, uh, the the manufacture. Well, to be clear, like safe and scientific manufacture of medications. Um, and they, they were sharing out a lot of information when the Roe v. Wade ban uh, came through. And I thought it might it might be something that you could feed back to the the org and see if there's any interest. To be honest, um, but I think Larry, you were going to speak on something there. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no worries. Yeah, I was going to kind of bring in um, what, you know, something we try to emphasize is kind of the inventiveness and fun of actually building things and trying mm-hmm. out new things. Um, a couple of us are kind of inventor types and folks have come up with things like uh, we haven't gotten it to a, a place where we could actually make it something we could do with mutual aid, but, but, but like a cross flow heat exchanger or, um, or uh, you know, different kinds of um of uh of air purifiers that aren't just a box fan maybe using pc fans which actually there's a group called clean air kits that makes some really excellent ones of those um nice but yeah, I, mean, I, I, I i go ahead oh i was just saying nice that's really cool thanks yeah i mean i kind of to speak to how i got into this um when it was i think thanksgiving 2017 or so when the sky turned orange and everything got crazy um i was living in a place without central air and so the only air coming in and out of the of my place was through the window or out the bathroom vent. And so, and I have terrible allergies. And so I wasn't able to sleep very well. Um, and I just really needed to take care of myself. And the one way I was able to find to do that was to, uh, someone pointed out, hey, get a box fan and an air filter. So I went to the hardware store, picked up a box fan, uh, picked up the last MERV 13 air, air filter that they had in there. Um, which happened to be 20 by 30 size. So it was too big. And I made like a cardboard funnel for it to fit on the back of the fan. Um, and that was how I was able to sleep. <laughs> uh, wow. And so. Uh, what did it, the filter look like? Did it get like disgusting? Yeah. Fit, after a, a couple of months, it got pretty brown gray. Uh, oh, God. Gross. <laughs> I love uh, filter I dunk porn. Continue. I don't know what's wrong with me. I love seeing, I have air filters running in my place because I have rabbits and I open them every once in a while. This is probably not an appropriate thing to say at all, but I just really <laughs> enjoy seeing how much crap was like caught by the filter. Anyways, please go on. Please there's, don't There's a you. bit of a grim satisfaction to that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I even worked out how like if I had uh, one window open slightly and uh, on the upwind side and another window open slightly on the downwind side, and I put the air purifier in front of the window on the upwind side. Then as the air came in from outside, it would get filtered and mm-hmm. move to the apartment. So I would still get fresh air and filtered air. Hmm. And that was the best I was nice. ever <laughs> Awesome. Um, yeah. So I, I built about a, a half a dozen different designs at this point. Um, uh, from going from like having little jet vane style things to direct the exhaust to um, having, uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard of a Corsi Rosenthal box. That's a couple of people. Um, Corzy is a UC Davis uh, professor, and Rosenthal uh, is an air air filter company manufacturer guy. Um, they came up, uh, they perfected the idea of taking a box fan and making a box out of four sides and mm. putting the box fan on top of that box and then cap the bottom with cardboard. Um, and so then air comes in all four filters and out the box fan. Oh, wow. And so oh, here cool. we can talk a little bit about kind of the technical advantages here. Um, one, the box fan works well because it's super cheap. It's only 25 bucks. It was 20 bucks when the pandemic started. <laughs> uh, 
and it uh, it is a large diameter. So you can run it on low and the noise is tolerable and you still get a good amount of airflow. And the problem with a lot of uh, HEPA filter air purifiers, if you buy one for you know $100 or so, the fan is pretty small and the filtration is really strong. And so, yeah, exactly. That's a Corsi Rosenthal box. You got it. Yeah. With a, a typical cheap HEPA filter, you have to run it uh, at, at the high power setting to get any substantial airflow through it. And so it's not tolerable noise-wise. And we're finding the real limit on performance is noise. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. Makes sense. So running a box fan on low is kind of the, the sweet spot. Even better, like that clean air kits thing I talked about, if you can run PC fans. But the cost goes up a little bit there. That's like 120 bucks for a PC kit. fans are powerful enough? Yeah, you or... have to get... Um, there are some that are normal PC fans, and then there are so-called pressure PC fans that mm. are meant to work against uh, pressure resistance. Mm. Uh, okay. okay. You need a bunch of them, <laughs> not just one. Mm. So, Interesting. Um, Grant, you're talking a little bit about the, you mentioned the DSA when you were talking before, um, and I don't, I can't remember entirely your involvement uh, or CHC's involvement with the DSA, but I think I got the impression that there was a kind of a shift in your involvement over time, and I'm kind of curious about that. Yeah, um, at least for me, uh, I, 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 and, I do, and I do kind of maintain uh, differing relations, relations with, uh, with CHC and, and DSA. Um, mm -hmm. It's just it's just the nature of um, of what each org uh, wishes like uh, wishes to push forward and achieve. Uh, where CHC is a very much a local um, uh, to the ground community mutual aid project, where where DSA mm -hmm. is more of this, uh, this 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 large this this uh, how do I say this org that's 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 wishing to push toward being a larger like political project. Uh, mm -hmm. So both, so kind of both were at least, at least for me, especially, especially when uh, at, at the time of my joining, um, we're kind of meeting two different for me uh, ideas of how to get involved, get engaged, make change, and all of that. Um, so while my, I, I would say my engagement with either, uh, it's has. They're spent like they're they're specialized and 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 they're on right and they and they do have overlap. Um, like uh, uh, there are other members within within CHC who also either are or formerly were members of DSA and so on and so forth. Uh, but it's just like uh, within the, again within this greater Bay Area ecosystem of different mutual aid groups, different um, uh, different like tenant like tenant unions. Um, like labor, 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 labor organizers, uh, and just and like, again, uh, this general political organization, um, it's like uh, how do I, it's it's just like a difference of like um, I guess to to put it in, in in the way that I've come to kind of understand it within uh, my own education of just the a diversity of tactics, and for me, hmm. um, especially. Um, the, necess the necessity to meet to meet need to meet people in community where they are is, is something that the mutual aid organizations and especially like and for me especially CHC uh serve at the forefront because this is where this is this, this is this is this is where people are at are, like are how do I say um I guess are at their most vulnerable um mm. particularly particularly within uh within the bay 
Um, it's also there's also just speaking to the greater history in the Bay Area of like uh, of, of of mutual aid and political struggle. I mean, mm. what this is like this this is this is the the birthplace of the of the Black Panther organization. And while I'm not, I would not say that BSA or CHC uh, is is like is is it is a replacement for the for the DPP that that radical fervor of what it means to be uh, of what it means to be organizations that are trying to uh, do anti-capitalist praxis while yeah. also meeting need and educating people. Yeah, like there is this, there, there is, there is like these, this, like this, uh, this, this, these axes where like uh, where they meet. Um, so, yeah, juggling... I was just. Um... Oh, yeah. sorry, go on. Um, no, 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 you're good. Go ahead, go ahead, Sophie. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say I was actually just recommending earlier on the stream this book I'm reading, which is called Revolutionary Intercommunalism and the Right of Nations to Self-Determination. And a big mm -hmm. part of it is a transcript of a conversation that Huey P. Newton had with some Yale students. And um it definitely had me thinking of of I was just reading some of it earlier today, and it had it definitely had me thinking of CHC in particular. Um in the way uh you know, a lot of the a lot of the BPP practice was always about I guess people say think global, act local, right? Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think that's definitely something the CHC could be said to have in common uh, in the way that you're like helping people um, uh, locally and and then empowering them to help themselves and help each other, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, uh, and, I, and I think that's again part of a part of a part of the conversation, the conversation, the conversation that we have within the org uh, toward. <laughs> Uh, and the big one that we that we that we, that we always come back to is making, is making mutual aid political. And what does mm. that mean? Um, how do we take it? For, how do how do we take it merely from being the the act of uh, of of engaging community, of giving people, of empowering people to create for themselves and for the people they care about uh, the yeah. materials that they need, uh, but also fundamentally under like kind of breaking through the like the understanding of like of the why of, of of like the more systemic whys as to why like like state uh, state state infrastructure under like under this under this capitalist model doesn't mm -hmm. already meet these needs right like uh um, yeah. like we were speaking to with um uh with the with the issue with air quality like even 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 with that even pending uh even pending like wildfires and wildfire smoke um Air quality uh, in the in, like in especially around the urban centers of the of the East Bay isn't the greatest. Um, like here, like you made a really good point of like of of kind of of kind of the uh, of the of the class of the class separation here of of people oh, yeah. of the people who can't afford it, of the, of the people who can't afford, who can't afford quality air just kind of getting getting left to to deal with the the ravages mm -hmm. of the increased risk of asthma. Of increased risks of all these of all, of all these sort of respiratory illnesses, and with COVID, increased uh, increased risk of of, of of acquiring a deadly pa pandemic mm -hmm. disease. Yeah, um, can I can I interject really quickly uh, and say that to add on what you're saying, uh, the diseases, the ailments that you'll end up getting from exposure to poor air quality are typically chronic ones. They're typically mm -hmm. ones that will appear way later, and the etiology of them is is very fuzzy. Um, and it can 
oftentimes oftentimes be attributed to a number of things and it's harder to pinpoint it as like specifically because you lived on this block and you didn't have a HEPA filter, right? That's typically not how these illnesses are um, kind of pinpointed, especially when they appear like say 20 years later. So Uh um, absolutely, yeah, the classified is even further exacerbated by this this vagueness and being able to point to to the source where say um was it east palestine in ohio um yeah i think a lot of illnesses will be directly hopefully given i, I know that the climate is very it's very oppressive right now in terms of getting information out but more easily will illnesses be able to be pinpointed to that incidence um because it is so profound it's it would be more of like a point um exposure Versus this like prolonged, really kind of like low grade, but mm-hmm. but but extremely prevalent exposure to uh, poor air quality. So yeah. just to tack on to what you're saying, um, yes, <laughs> it's important. Yeah, I think I think people think that air isn't some. Well, people just don't think about air, and also obviously just like um, the idea that air, because of its nature, is not going to be. Uh, a very local kind of issue, but like, for example, uh, very close to to where I live, um, there's a neighborhood called Newham, which is one of the poorest ones in London. And um, it's right next to uh, not a rich neighborhood per se, because it's not really a neighborhood people live in, but Canary Wharf is where a, a, a vast majority of the financial trading in, hap- uh, in London happens. And so a lot of people travel, a lot of people commute through Newham to get to their very, very, very well-paid jobs in Canary Wharf. Um, and there was a, there's been a proposal running for the last few years uh, by the, the Newham Council, which is entirely uh, captured by corruption and, and, and the construction lobby, to build a huge tunnel through Newham. And activists are pointing out how this will create devastating, like a devastating drop in the air quality that will have all these negative out- uh, outcomes. Um, and, you know, that it's very clear that the government doesn't, that the local government doesn't care because they, it will primarily affect uh, racialized people and, uh, and and working class people and they don't care about those people. Um, you know, air is something that, yeah, um, you don't, it's, what's that type of thing? You know, you don't think about it until it's very seriously wrong. <laughs> But yeah. Yes, 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 and that's and that's and that's again, and that, that and that's another just massive thing. Like when, it, when these things are, and we're probably going to be seeing that slowly with, unfortunately, with the way that like 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 COVID and, and general healthcare has been concerned with like the, the like the epidemic of long COVID. It's not something yeah. that's going to come all at once. It's something that over time, as more and more as people have contracted, contracted it now. As they age, will these these complications develop? Like it's 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 a very it's it's a very navigating navigating circumstances of which um, the the fallout won't be perceived until far later. It's very hard on like on people to kind of idealize and and, and conceive of in like in in the present. And mm. so like so there so so again like and this and this is where like. Uh, um and this is something that, that I remember having a conversation about when we were distributing uh, out air purifiers uh with uh with, with a gentleman um who who was talking about how um like their grandfather um like due to due, due to due to prolonged exposure to, to bad air, air quality out in Oakland um like started suffering all these all these all these all these all these respiratory problems and like the fact that the family themselves they could not they couldn't afford 
like a, a like a, a traditional HEPA, like HEPA, HEPA filter. Once like once once the like once it was once it, once it came out that like uh the necessity of, of 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 having this family member like being in an environment of which like they're they're getting good quality air became like became paramount. Um, and it's like, and it's, and it's moments like those, like that, that, that at least even for me, like for me, kind of highlight just the severity of the of the issue uh, when it's when it's kind of left to be perceived as something that'll that'll be dealt with at a nebulous point of time in the future. It's 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 now the it's taking action now to yeah. kind of to kind of educate people to understand why they should be demanding. Uh, demand like demanding for for for, uh, for better uh, for better uh, like um, air quality in their in their neighborhoods and their localities, um, and again like navigating this, this this area of like making this process political um, of getting people to uh, to kind of realize that like uh, that they that this is that that this is something that they should that they should feel entitled to as, as per the necessity of of. Of pursuing a, a, a healthy and full life mm-hmm. mm. it's it's hard uh it's hard because like we're as especially as crises mount uh it gets really easy to feel disempowered uh and being able to just point out and say hey you've built yourself this air purifier this is something that you did with your with with your own hands is, a, is something that like from what I've seen, from what we've talked to with people that we've that we've collaborated with and distributed to, it's something mm. for for them that that serves as a point uh, of purpose of like, huh, I've never like of, of I like, uh, yeah the aha moment to really uh, like an aha like uh, 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 I, I, uh, the like the, the, the um, like a switch uh, like a switch flips on flips mm-hmm. on as to. Um, I didn't realize that this is something that that was within my reach. Um, what can we do? How how like how how can we how, how can we, how, what what else can we do? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and if I can yeah. tie that into um, just tie that into kind of uh, societal societal issues in terms of governance and so forth. We're I mean, we could have had a mass program across the country and the world to improve indoor air quality, where we have federal grants for all kinds of air filtration. And, you know, you do see that in some wealthy places. And there was a piece of that in one of the pieces of legislation that that Biden passed. Um, uh. It's just like, you don't really see it universally applied. Like every store should get some help uh, uh, in terms of, you know, improving air filtration. And we should have, like, I think that the, now the recommended standard for schools in some circles is for 12 room air changes per hour. And to achieve that kind of, throughput it is a difficult thing energy wise because so far buildings have been optimized for keeping the air in and insulating them which is not the greatest for indoor air quality so here we have to change our perspective now it's like how do we make that happen and so we're coming in kind of try on the on the on the emergency side of it being like okay we need to you need to be able to breathe at night you need to be able to breathe safely um i do too let's all get together and build these things and make it work um, mm-hmm. But also, there are more systemic ways to go about it that that uh, for the most part we are. 
Um, and if, you know, if it were the case that, you know, uh, a concert I could go to had 12 air changes per hour, maybe I'd go, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it'd be a lot easier to do a lot healthier. You get a lot lower transmission of disease in general. You get a mm-hmm. lot lower inhalation of air particles in general. Like it would just be better for everybody. Um, and, but that's not the societal priority right now. Mm-hmm. This is something that, um, really stresses me out in, like, like you said, like in general, even just the transmission of like other diseases, and it it really stresses me out but then i guess it's uh, a product of you know society <laughs> we live in a society where <laughs> you know my partner you know messaged me she's gone to see her like old grandma um this weekend and she's absolutely terrified she's like oh my god i accidentally went into a greg's without a mask for like a minute i'm terrified and i'm like you're going to be okay. It, it, you were in there for a minute. It's all good. Like, you know, and you, you came straight back out. It's probably going to be fine. And then she's gone there. And then one of her like older relatives is just like snot coming out of her mouth and like every orifice, like, you know, just sneezing everywhere. Just going, Oh, you probably shouldn't come near me. I'm really ill. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, have you learned nothing? Like, you know, like I remember one of the best things about COVID like is that I learned that if I just keep wearing a mask everywhere, I will Mm. never get sick. Mm. And it's really, really good. Not getting sick is so good. Like all the things in this life that suck, that are like avoidable, like, yeah, getting sick is like up there in it. Like just, just don't get sick and you could just carry on not getting sick by not wearing a mask. And it's just like, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, like, did you not learn? Like, did you not realize how good that was? And I guess it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, you don't realize how good something is. Like, you know, for example, you don't realize how good it is to be able to eat without pain until you get a toothache, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess that's that's oh, yeah. like a similar kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I, I could definitely like, yeah, relate to, to, to that kind of, you know, sort of, you know, way of thinking where it's like, oh, well, um, you know, we, we can actually just reduce how much ill people get in general like forget covid Mm. like you know all the airborne illnesses Mm -hmm. i think that's Mm -hmm. a really important thing to talk about it does the culture of mutuality because uh you know some friends just came back from a trip to the philippines and they said that all kinds of people masked all the time and uh you know it was required on the on the flight in and so forth so everybody masked there but like nobody raised a fuss about it and then a lot of people were just masking in general so yeah it's we need to somehow just you know change that mindset in it i think in britain it's it's really hard because in britain people are just like oh things are shit and you just need to deal with it you know the stiff upper lip that's what that's what stiff if any americans are watching or anyone from any other country in the world and they 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 always hear the term british stiff upper lip and they don't know what it means it basically just means don't complain when things are bad and there is so much wrong with that isn't it do you know what i mean like you, you you should complain when things are bad um and that whole um when when we're sort of like talking about masks in in britain you'll get like uh, i i guess a, a mindset of like oh you don't have to wear them anymore mate and it's like i know i don't i also don't have to be a nice person either but i still do that <laughs> you know and i think I like, like you know that's that's it isn't it it's like if someone comes to you and says why are you wearing a mask you don't have to do it anymore it's like yeah i also don't have to like you know pay for the items i i take from a supermarket i could just steal them <laughs> Uh, you know all these other things so yeah I, we, how do we actually like 
you know, change that mindset. I think that's like a broader part. And I think mutual aid, like what you folks are doing there, I think that is like a really important part of it. And I think that Britain could really take a leaf out of the book of, of mutual aid orgs in, uh, in the US because, mm. um, you know, in terms of like, you know, mutual aid over here, it's, it's virtually unheard of. Like there are, there are some trans mutual aid groups that are really good. Um, but other than that, it's, it's well, the whole, the whole queer community kind of runs implicitly on, on yes. mutual aid. So it's like, right. it's not even that there are orgs. It's just like a matter of survival. And I think that's something that we see, mm. um, that you could point to with CHC as well, that like, as the pandemic hit and then the, and now like the worsening climate crisis, it's like, you see organi- organizing happen that just is a response for a, yeah, just people's need to survival, uh, to, to survive rather, right? Um, I had a question about um, politicization uh, because I think that when I spoke to Joe and Janine, they said a little about uh, reading groups. So are you uh, doing uh, regular reading with people still? Is that a thing? It is something that, um, okay, so last, I think, I, I, I don't, your interview with Janine and Joe was like at the beginning of 2020 one or 2022 um i think we were reading uh walter rodney at that time uh last year we actually we, we read this, uh the black jacket by clr james uh and i know right now there is an ongoing reading group uh reading uh pedagogy of the oppressed um so there is still absolutely an endeavor uh with within, within the organization uh toward uh, toward this greater this greater this greater political 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 education of our uh, of ourselves uh slowly slowly, slowly become a better like better more informed organizing body um but that's yeah that so i and, and i mean and, and i would say that, that that that's important right ensuring that we have it have, have a have a better understanding of of the political precedent um that kind of that, that kind of um underpins our that, that kind of underpins our uh, our our lived our, our lived realities um so we do absolutely still engage in like group uh, group sessions of like of um of of political education um we, we, like we op- like we operate our like we like we operate our own slack channel um our slack uh, group page uh, and members are encu- members are encouraged to, like post articles uh, toward events that are occurring uh or just or, or, or articles toward like um what's it called um like again, like general, like general uh, political political education, um, uh, like Graver or uh, or or what have you. Um, so there is absolutely still an ongoing endeavor toward uh, ensuring that at least for us, we like we're trying to have oh. create. Uh, on the yeah. show, we have a uh, we have an ongoing uh, game where uh, Graber gets mentioned and everybody drinks. So cheers, everyone! Um, <laughs> please, please carry on, Graham. <laughs> of course. <laughs> what can I say? He makes me, he, he makes some great writings. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's usually me who says it, so that's why I needed to interject. This, I'm usually the one mentioning Graber, but thank you for that. I should say too, a, good, a, a good example is uh, if people look at our um, our uh, purpose statement on our website. Uh, we had a uh, a really it was a it was the perfect Berkeley experience last year. And we all gathered in in a you know in a backyard of Berkeley outside and spent all day long arguing about the political theory behind what our our purpose should be. And uh, <laughs> I'm definitely glad to have experienced that for sure. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, so that so that 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 current is absolutely is absolutely still still maintained. Uh, uh, something that that we haven't yet done is is doing any kind of concentrated reading on the Black Panther Party, even though like again we are like in like the backyard of where that mo- of that political <laughs> movement happens. <laughs> so that's something well, that we need to. If you want, uh, if you want it in 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 Newton's own words, I gotta recommend again: revolutionary anti-communalism and the right of nations to self-determination. It's a good one. All right, all right. I will definitely put that. Who up. is it by? <laughs> Amy Gadala. Amy Gadala. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely make a note. Make it. Make, make a note of that. If not for, cool. if, if, if hopefully we, we and hopefully with within the or we can get that get that uh, get that reading going. Hell yeah. Um, so yeah, so hopefully I, I answered your question there. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic to hear. Yeah, there's. I was talking earlier about the performance of different air purifiers and filtration and so forth. And so you can imagine, like, if you have a really loose filter, like you remember those old furnace filters that were like blue, just woven plastic fibers. I don't know if you've ever seen those things. Um, hmm. They really don't do very much. They catch du- catch dust bunnies, and that's about it. So that's hmm. the that's the like loose sieve end of things and then the other end of things there's a HEPA filter or even finer filters um where they're very high air resistance they have to have a lot of pleats um and you need a strong fan to push it through um it turns out there's a happy medium for cleaning the air in a room um you actually want to have a lot of throughput you want to move all of the air in the room and not just a little bit around the air purifier um and so that's why this MERV 13 rating in the U.S. is and I'm not sure the equivalent overseas but um, that's about the right amount of filtration to get a lot of throughput, but also catch most of the particles on the first pass and get the rest on the second or third pass. Mm. Getting everything in one pass is not the most critical thing. So if you build your own or if you're replacing the furnace filter in your uh, in your air conditioner unit, uh, you know, get a MERV 13, assuming your your uh, AC unit can handle it. Okay. Yeah, uh, I um I have three um HEPA filters that I run. I don't, but I I, I don't run them on high because it's too loud, like you were saying earlier. Um, so I run them on like the medium, and it's primarily for rabbits stuff because I've I care for rabbits. Um, but I don't really have allergies or anything. Um, I wonder how necessary the HEPA filter is. Well, it sounds like MER filter would probably be a better solution but it'd be hard to fit to the existing ones but in the future i suppose still totally works and uh, i mean especially if you got multiple of them and you're running them on the lower speed then you've still got the throughput you need so no problem okay um, I mean, All at the right. end of the day, the air goes through the filter <laughs> and yeah. uh, stuff. So, uh, so long I just as wonder if it's just in that little fine. space or bigger than that. So, mm-hmm. by the way, chat, it's Merv spelled M E or by everyone, listeners and chat. It's Merv M E R V 13. There you go. I don't know what the UK equivalent of that would be. I'm really interested in this because uh, one of the chatters on Twitch, uh, my mod Shafiq, uh, basically said that um, it's hard to get box fans in the UK, but you can get a box fan. Um, it just it doesn't. Is? Uh, well, I've just had a quick look, and you can get them on Amazon, like you know, um, or you could probably get them from like any other kind of uh, uh, non Pinkerton employing. Um, company uh if you so desire um but you uh yeah you not the t- absolute devil yeah you can you can you can get them basically you can um the, i guess the the wonder is are they 
do they have the throughput like do they have the power to like you know clean the air in the room um but yeah i guess that's something for uh you know uk uh, uh listeners to to have a little look at or or you know listeners from from other places in the world i think that's really important one thing that i've noticed in the uk um if you're looking for this stuff well particularly on amazon um the the other items that it suggests to you are things in which you can grow vegetables in a tent uh namely hydroponics um so if you if that if you're wondering can you get stuff like that the answer is definitely yes um because there's a lot of that that happens in the uk growing been growing courgettes in your flat and you courgettes in my flat that's what i've been doing and that's how you do that um you do it with big fans and other stuff so yeah um (laughs) that's that's if anyone outside of the us is wondering yeah it is possible to do this but um, yeah and speaking uh, of that you can take a round fan and put a square piece of cardboard on the back with a hole cut in the middle and uh, and voila do it yourself exactly that that is what do it yourself is all about really isn't it (laughs) yeah no it's awesome um yeah i just yeah i guess like uh, the main i just i just think it's a really really good um organization and i think that like i think that really speaks to a lot of the stuff that we've been talking about on the show and that like generally speaking um you know material conditions of people are um associated with things like can i afford healthcare right and the majority of people can't um and if you are going to prevent people from getting sick then you are helping them with their material conditions. And then you never know what someone's, I guess, political ideology is when they come to, uh, you know, a box building session or, you know, whatever. But if then they then come to a reading group and they're not immediately scared away by David Graeber saying things like, you know, capitalism is bad and, you know, all that kind of stuff, then, you know, you're basically fighting a lot of, you know, misinformation, disinformation a lot of the stuff that we talk about on the show is like you know engaging people with with organizing and we try and get our audience to to engage with that kind of organizing as well in you know as as best as we can that's like the function of red planet um so i guess like i guess yeah that's that's why i was asking those questions earlier at the the start when you first came on because it's like uh you know we want to be telling people how to um not just how to but like what the benefits are what the broader benefits uh are of of doing mutual aid and i guess just like giving people stuff that they need or like advertising that you're going to just like give people stuff that they need that will like make their lives easier in any kind of capacity that is what is going to attract people to your organization and that is what is going to um yeah make make the world a better place in your in your local area kind of thing and i think if you can like a lot a lot of this stuff is capacity like that's what i've learned as an activist since i've started doing activists since i started on this show is like you really just have to ask yourself, do I have the time? Like, A, do I want to do this, right? I think that's a big thing. If you don't want to do it, that's on you really. And, you know, you got to unpack that in whatever way it works for you. But, it, you know, the second thing is, do I have the time? And if you do have the time and you do have the desire to do it, like, you can absolutely do it. And I think what you folks are doing in terms of, like, because it's healthcare essentially it's preventative healthcare isn't it it's like mm-hmm. you know we can't we, we may not be able to cure you of covid we may not be able to cure you of respiratory respiratory diseases or other um you know uh disabilities that could come through covid but we could prevent it and i think that that is really really powerful um yeah. and i don't know i guess that that kind of is like 
just something that's that's i i guess i don't know if if this is i mean you obviously wanted to prevent covid because you started um you know during lockdown and during the, the start of the pandemic and stuff but i guess that's probably something that you've learned more and more along the way and 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 seeing people like you know uh come to you and been like i don't know yeah this has really changed my outlook on society or or disease or whatever i don't know well and one thing we're doing too is uh we're trading labor for money so of course if you have the means buy an air purifier great but um we're also trying to expand the accessibility of that to people who can't afford it and mm. have some fun along the way as well um i don't know i kind of have like a uh, <laughs> uh my air purifiers are my pets around my place i've got like you know eight different kinds so uh-huh. um, coming up with different designs but yeah it's like we're finding that um you know it, it's uh like we're we're working on a next generation air purifier that has a lot of cardboard parts to it and so it's how much of that we tried cutting some out by hand, which works well and is really a com- you know, communal experience, but it's a lot of time um, versus paying to get the parts made and then you have to fundraise for that and so forth. So um, yeah, kind of trying to find the right trade of uh, you know being able to work uh, with our hands ourselves uh, versus how much we can fundraise for it. Uh, uh, uh. I, I also, um, and this is kind of getting, uh, getting back to uh, your point, uh, DJ, as far as like, uh, like people uh, of like getting people out there um i think there's something to be said of of like engaging um in any kind of in, in any in any kind of community project with other people who are also there wanting to help other people there's something there like there is something to that experience that 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 communal experience experience of coming together to do something that that you know is going to uh better like better lives it, 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 your own or others that's just i i guess that that just kind of makes the experience even more worthwhile and it was something that like i remember uh back when i joined um it was something like that and i think Jeannie maybe brought it up uh, during her interview with you uh sophie about Mm. just like about just the fact that a lot of people that that came to these builds like were would would speak to the fact that they've been really lonely like especially um with regards yeah. to like the like the um uh, like I- isolating and all of that, the power of like uh, people coming together communally uh, to build something, uh, build something uh, for each other and just and just for like for for the for the like for a common good, right? Mm. Um, like it 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 acts as it acts as a solve kind of against that that entrenched alienation of operating within like a like 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 capitalist society that does so much to kind of tear away at at our at, at our ability to socialize and connect with each other yeah um and i know especially like for me and like from from the conversation the conversation the conversations we had with volunteer other like mm-hmm. volunteers that would come to the build like a, a very common through line was just people talking about like like this just being an experience that they, they really appreciated and being able to kind of just kind of come out talk to other people uh, work on something that they know uh that they that, that they know is going is, is going toward a good um and feeling like that that they that they could have a say in it that they that, mm. that they that they that they they're that they're directing that, that they're directly engaged in providing and providing a good and not feeling like they are caught they're like they're like they're caught in the tides uh and just kind of yeah. having to go every which way as to whatever like whatever comes comes yeah um, totally that like uh that empowerment um and there's definitely something said uh 
when you move or when you move um organizing uh, from a strictly online environment uh, to mm. coming out and kind of being able to meet other leftists and other mm. organizers and other people in your area um that just kind of I guess it may, to, to for lack of a better word, that, that makes it real. That makes it very real. Yeah. Uh, um, to know that these people exist, because <laughs> like, it's one thing to see names on a screen. It's another thing to put those uh, put a, put a face to those names. Yeah. Um, and I would say like that has been uh, throughout every build, throughout every uh, throughout all uh, like all the like. All the ups and downs of organizing within THC, that has been definitely been something that kind of keeps us uh, grounded and wanting to pursue any and 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 further develop this project uh, mm. as we reach out as as we, as we, as, we, as we reach out to new groups, as we try to figure out new um, uh, new strategies to help to, to to help people meet needs, and kind of bring people together. Mm. Um, it's just so it's it's just so important um to kind of be able to meet uh to meet in solidarity and like makes like we we had a we had a we had a member that the way the way they they, they put it was come together and make cool shit <laughs> yeah absolutely. and like that is absolutely like something that like we have we we sound off on right <laughs> coming together and making cool shit because yeah being able to act and feel like and and not feel um what's the word um alienated uh, god alienated thank you thank you and not feel alienated is a it's a, it's 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 just a mass it's a massive panacea to so much mm. and at least gets and, and gets people motivated to do more yeah totally I mean, I think that it's a it's an incredibly powerful motivating and organizing force. Like, if you think about, you know, the 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 two uh, radical uh, uh, fringes of American politics right now, uh, broadly, you know, the socialists and the fascists, right? And it's like if the American government were to, let's just say, magically disappear, they were abducted by aliens, you know, like the organizing that fascists do dressing up in little Trump outfits with their, their beige khakis and whatever, like, uh, and marching around with Captain America shields, like it doesn't feed anyone, it doesn't make anyone healthy, and it certainly doesn't make mm -hmm. anyone happy. Uh, and like, you know, getting together and making cool shit, like certainly does. And it means that people know each other and care for each other and, and know the people in their neighborhood. And also like has a very practical way in which it makes people you know, more able to live long term, like the, mm. the like, the, for all the, uh, for all the institutional capture and like, street militia shit that we see from fashy organizing, like, it doesn't do anything when there's a forest fire, it doesn't do mm. anything when there's a flood. And so it doesn't have any like, kind of appeal to people when there's like, uh, it relies on manufactured crises like oh no there are transgenders or whatever like uh whereas you're responding to very real crises that people you know will keep on experiencing and will keep on needing actual solutions to i think that i think that that's um <clears throat> a really pertinent point as well because i think a lot of people worry when they hear about things like fascists um feeding homeless people and what have you and that is definitely like a, a genuine concern but i think the thing to remember about fascists is that they actually do not care about anyone 
Like that, yeah. that's just, that's just a fact. And like, they will get yeah. tired of feeding homeless people. They won't want to do it all the time. They'll be like, this is pointless. Why are we doing this? Let's just like set fire to some stuff. I don't know. And all the time I've been looking at fascist groups, like in their activities, I've only seen them do that like one or two yeah. times. Like they yeah. really, they don't like doing it. Whereas like leftists are like, we care about people and we want people to be okay. <laughs> so like, you know, yeah. it's like, what are you organizing to do? Uh, uh, or like, hey, why are you why are you feeding those people? Oh, we well, we want to we want to red pill them on the the secrets of the Aryan identity. Why are you feeding people? <laughs> well, we want to feed people. We want them yeah. to not be hungry. <laughs> I imagine I imagine that goes like incredibly poorly as well. They'll be like, here, uh, homeless person, have some food, um, and they're like, did you know that uh, this this the, the the white race secure a future? Blah blah blah. And they'll be like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah. They'll be like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't yeah. understand. Like, and this yeah, is like... really dry, and it's not seasoned. Absolutely, Larry. You sent us a picture of uh, some of your different uh, designs, uh, or or a page with some of your different designs. And I was wondering if we could bring that up on the stream. Hopefully, the our producer can. Um, I think I put it into our. Did I put it into our group chat? I hope so. I did put it into a group chat. Uh, did you want to tell, like, maybe tell us a little bit about some of the different design stuff? Because I, I get the feeling you're like, uh, you would be excited to to nerd out about this, and I, uh, I would, I would like to see that if you would. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. I mean, there's there's kind of a um, spectrum of uh, how much work you put into it versus how nice it looks and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I found that if you, uh, just technically speaking, if you use the filters as the structure like you build the, mm. box the filters that's much faster and easier than building uh essentially building an air purifier from scratch and then attaching filters to it that makes sense so the the one called flow easel when we get to that one is the one we're working on now where it's kind of a compromise between those two approaches um mm. but yeah the the downside of of building the structure out of the filters is that then you know, in six months or nine months when the filters are gray and gross, uh, you got to rip all that apart. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah. Whereas if you build right. something where you can just drop the filters on. And so the first generation design that another another person at uh, Common Community Collective came up with, the idea was to make the uh, replacement super easy. So our basic mm. design, if you look on our website, is just a box fan. The filters got the corners taped off to make sure all the flow goes through the filter. Um, <laughs> it's rubber banded on so all you got to do is to get is get a new filter tape the corners off and rubber band it back on nice is that diy air cleaner one that's the one i was <laughs> oh, no, guess i was guessing own, that being the first one yeah, that was, yeah. no that was the design i was talking about earlier when it was oh things, right yeah <laughs> yeah nice, that's nice, the one nice. on the lower right there cool um, cool that was pretty fun um so the one <laughs> on the lower left is one where i put way too much work into it and uh, it's still a piece of cardboard, so <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Um, and Air then cabinet. So what did you change? What was the uh, the thought behind that one? Or this was an earlier one where I thought, like, okay, I'm going to make a box that I'm going to use for a long time um, and mm. make the filters really easy to replace. Um, mm -hmm. So and it and it's fairly compact. Uh, one thing is like with the Corsi Rosenthal box, you've got this huge 20 inch by 20 inch by like 25 inch thing. Right. Uh, and it's been just it's empty inside it's just taking up space so it was really effective and it works great for like classrooms and things like that but it's mm. a bit much for uh for just having in your bedroom or something right right and i wonder um in terms of i guess like you know other 
because because you don't need to like have this hanging out of the window or anything you just need to have this in your gaff Circulating. right yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it, i i wonder as well like you know is the air that comes out like cool can you like make it cool to because i'm just thinking about like you know summer and stuff um yeah i don't know what the uh, applications of that are in terms of heat it's, and stuff it's a good question i mean if you think about it systemically like that is what goes it's why it's called a furnace filter right right mm. things go on your on your ac or, or furnace or so forth but no these are just to circulate air so okay you can okay. use them i mean you can use them to make a little bit of a breeze like a normal fan would um but yeah there's mm. no active heating or cooling um Fair but enough. if you look at the one called Flow Easel, I think it's near the top. Top left, yeah, Flow Easel. Yeah, that's the one we're working on now where mm. it's this compromise where we actually use the box that the fan came in as the brown part. Um, oh, so that's very clever. Materials. And then uh, the nozzle helps direct the flow across the room and also quiets mm-hmm. it. So you get better circulation all throughout the room and a little bit less noise. And cool. then it's got uh, um, the filter just drops into place and you just tape it on. So nice. it makes it really easy. So there are all kinds cool. of uh, improvements went into this thing, um, but it is also more work. So it takes about three hours to assemble or so. Uh, right. Well, three hours is is still pretty good. You know, it's it, it might be an afternoon, but, you know, yeah. I think clean air is, uh, I think that's the question that people have to ask themselves if they're, if they're thinking about the amount of time that it might make to like make one of these, like what price would you put on clean air what price would you Mm. put on you know preventing yourself from getting diseases and you know looking after your family keeping your family safe um and 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 you know i would i would work for a lot longer than three hours to do that you know (laughs) yeah yeah it's interesting on our builds we've taken a couple approaches too because you know the easy thing to do is to make an assembly line um Mm. that, that is that is more efficient once you've got it like all the procedures cleaned up and everybody knows what they're doing and it's running like a well-oiled machine. But some other times we've done it as a piecework project where you take the entire thing from start to finish, you put every piece together of one air purifier that you've made. And there's kind of a, a neat kind of sense of, um, uh, you know, investment in it that comes out of that. And it's like, Hey, I put this one together from start to finish. So um, it's kind of fun, but it, it, yeah, it's, it's a, it kind of like to encourage that, but we, we try some of both uh, different models to try out different ways of, you know, just seeing how it feels. Can I just say that mm-hmm. these are, they're, they're really pretty. They look like art. <laughs> like I they're like, like them, kind yeah. of like cool, yeah. like different, like foldy shapes and like, I don't know. It's like really aesthetically pleasing to see these. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, really I mean, nice my eyes actually. are enjoying it. <laughs> and I think as well, I think as well, because you, you mentioned that um, earlier, I can't remember if, if it was you, Larry, or you, Grant, but like, you know, the aesthetics of it or whatever, like, I I think, you know, if you've got like, if you are like an arty person, if you do like decorating stuff, like there's, there's an opportunity to do that because you just basically have like a lot of cardboard there, you know, that you could, you could put whatever you want in it. You could cover it in stickers. You could cover it in red planet stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you say cardboard, <clears throat> cardboard. Hey, yeah. Look, look, look at what look at what she's got there listen My little listeners. bunny village for the bunnies she's, she's made a little company town for the bunnies wow. that on packaging. i am their overlord that's right they're gonna unionize no, against not. you Kara. that's wrong that's not <laughs> well, vegan. Yeah, and, and take a look at uh chc's social media you'll see uh some pictures from our last build with flow easels where mm-hmm. we uh, did a bunch of decorating at the end I, th- I think it's actually important it's pretty fun awesome. um much more welcoming and something that you know we're trying to make something that's nice to have in somebody's living room so nice cool yeah yeah i think that is the the fundamental 
thing about it is that it's like yeah you know this this is a very like functional item to have it's a functional machine to have but you know people people like their functional things to look nice as well Mm -hmm. um Mm. you know i I mean i don't know i don't know how much decorating people do of an oven for example but you know people (laughs) do it don't they um so yeah i think that's uh yeah definitely a big part of it we do pay a lot more attention to design these days um, it's not just a piece of sheet metal anymore. Uh, it's some you know designerly thing with nice lines to it. Totally. Before we do move on to the Q and A, I'm wondering um, because I um, I think that a lot of CHC's work has been uh, neighborhood focused in a way that works with people who are housed. But you um, obviously um, across America and I think in the West Coast, uh, some places especially there there is a homelessness crisis. So like, is there anything you do with houseless people? Um, yeah, there's the uh, the um, kind of camp toilet build that we've done recently um, that Greg oh, yeah? was to earlier, basically taking buckets and sawdust and... Um, oh, and that, a, of course. I'm sorry. And a pipe insulation to make it a little more comfortable. Uh, <laughs> uh, we also have distributed some of our air purifiers to uh, to homeless shelters in terms of like when the air quality is poor and things like that. So Excellent. There was also like, um, because I'm sure you saw, well, no, I'm not not sure, Uh, but the past uh, month or so here in California, we've we've had a bunch of massive storms um, Mm. that particularly afflicted some neighborhoods worse than others uh, when it it came to flooding. Uh, So there were uh makeshift uh makeshift projects set up to kind of get people who were most affected by the flooding um into like uh uh into into some of these shelters and during that time like CAT went ahead and donated a a, a good like distributed out a a bunch of air um air purifiers to some of the the local shelters within um uh, within Oakland and maybe there, there there's a few in uh in SF, but I know for sure that that we that we distributed in in Oakland. That's lovely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, are we going to move on to Q and A now, or any other other questions from the hosts? I I'm pretty happy with everything that's going on here. I uh, have a first question here from Boothby oh, the I, Beloved. I want to ask this one actually. Oh, okay. Um, Go ahead then. Uh, so this is from Boothby the Beloved, and I actually had this thought myself, so that's why I want to ask the question. Um. Any thoughts on helpful critiques for our more individualist leftist friends, i.e. folks against contributing to movements or deeper involvement in struggle? And the reason why I thought of this question is when you were talking about um, how you could make something with your own two hands, and that's really empowering. Uh, there's that like right wing libertarian slant to that, which is like, I don't need anyone then. I can just do everything myself and I don't have to actually like meet my neighbors or build community or, or acknowledge my vulnerabilities as just a singular entity in a world, you know? So, um, do you, like, how do you go about, or do you have any experience like trying to talk to these people and trying to both empower them into being able to like, you know, do stuff themselves, but also to, you know, contribute to a larger, bigger thing? That is a really good question. I will do my best to take to, uh, to, to a crack at it. And Larry, if you, if you want to also contribute, please uh, go ahead. Um, that yeah, I would say like one like um, what I one of the biggest things is just it's just the it's just trying to acknowledge like fully acknowledge the fact that like 
to, to put it to put it blatant put it to put it blatantly we live in a society right <laughs> we do we do, we do. It's we true, do right? <laughs> and in that um every like everyone contributes to uh to a multitude of things that enable people to kind of live their day-to-day -day lives even if you don't uh, even if you don't immediately see it if all the plumbers suddenly stop uh, stop doing like, like doing their job like in in your um in your in, like, in your workplace you'll notice <laughs> or if um, all if, the janitors if, don't show up it becomes twitch headquarters <laughs> <laughs> or twitter headquarters excuse me twitter headquarters all of that um so this so this, so, so this mindset of of the of, of the hyper individual who who can prepare and do everything on their own is fundamentally when you really observe the way that you acquire like your goods and services and all of that it doesn't exist uh, if you go out if you go off to like live in a in, in a in a in some property out 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 of the woods that's still connected connected to like um, a source of electricity like you're still like like you like you like you are still acting on the like the impetus of multiples uh, of, of thousands of people who like who, who who've kind of even enabled enabled your ability to <clears throat> conceive of doing something uh, something like that. Like, did you make the generator yourself? Mm -hmm. No, you probably didn't. Could you make uh, it if you were given? Like, it, could you make it yourself? No, you probably wouldn't know where to start. Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's kind of really breaking through these notions of like of 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 of, of acknowledging that like. A lot of things work together to like to uh, to uh, to enable the prosperity of uh, of 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 individuals. And when we engage in, like in these projects, uh, in these these mutual aid projects uh, as as a collective, as a group, we're 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 doing something that humans have been doing for forever, right? Mm -hmm. We are like at our base, like we like like we like we we're, like, we are like we're social animals. We we it, we a lot a lot comes from a lot comes from like working working community and working together in order to in order to overcome some kind of some any 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 kind of um, adversity or hardship. Uh, and it's really it's it's really recognizing uh, um, again like it takes it takes. It takes a village. It takes it. It takes a village to uh, to uh, to meet need. Doing sure, certainly you can make you can make you can make the case to try to go out on your 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 prepper individualist thing. You'll like and meaningfully you'll 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 go you'll go a distance. But when you when you when you work together in solidarity and community with other people who are also um, who are also similarly empowered to want to make a change to 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 better their lives um even 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 at the even at the base of, of only be, of, of wanting to better their own condition like when 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 multiple when multiple people come together to engage in common stru uh, struggle the outcomes of, of what can of what can be done of what can be um of what can be achieved is just exponentially greater mm -hmm. um so yeah, I would say like that is that that's that's kind of where at least when, the, when a conversation of of this type of does does arise. Uh, I don't think it's happened like at a build. Uh, I'd imagine the, the people who come to who come to the builds that that we, that we put on are people already kind of in a mindset of acknowledging uh, the like what like of mm -hmm. of what people can do when they come together to 
to to work at something mm -hmm. but th th so this, this this would be more uh i guess um advice or at least my insights toward like talking to like other people whether they be family members colleagues etc who are operating in this mindset of hyper individualism um mm. like that doesn't like if so long as you're an individual especially living in living in a society of uh, uh, a, a society uh like pro prospered by multiple people working uh, uh like working and moving there this this doesn't exist they're, they're like you aren't moving as this soul as, as the soul shaker and mover of of your destiny like you, this is like this is a like this is this has always been a collaborative effort simply simply shunting your eyes to it isn't enough to say that oh i if i can do it if i can do this for myself anyone can it's like no <laughs> yeah and to kind of bring that to a specific experience at one of our street builds like someone came up who you know like myself did their own air purifiers and started talking excitedly about it and so forth um and you know i gave them my card but they there was no follow-up and so i think the the lesson there was um communicate like make sure I, you know, message him or he messages me on the spot and keep the conversation going. And it is something I struggle with because mm. there's also a little bit of a, like everybody wants to do their own design, um, which is great. Mm. And I'd like to try to have a little humility um, and be like, no, 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 actually this design is what we're building right now. It's what we kind of got started and let's, let's roll with this for now. We can improve, mm. upon, um, but really have the humility to be like, this is a, a group project um, and we're trying to move this all forward together. Mm. Definitely. Well, we regularly try to tear down our listeners, so I don't think they have any issues with humility. <laughs> um, so Moss Laker has asked, uh, what have Grant or Larry seen in their organizing that gives them the most hope for the future? Great question. Oh, man. Uh, um, Larry, do you want to start, start this one, this one off? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's people's openness to this kind of thing. I mean, it's kind of wild that uh, on our, our last build, we had some folks who were regulars, some folks who came back who hadn't we hadn't seen in a while, which was really cool. We had some completely new people um, and they were just willing to jump in and build stuff. Be like, oh, yeah, how do you do this? What's this step about? And just just very open and engaging um, attitude of people was was really encouraging. Yeah, I definitely appreciated that. Um, I'd say uh, for me, I would say it's it's, it's kind of been a, a through line in some, in, in some of the ways I've, I've been responding to the questions that, that y'all presented today and the conversations, conversations that we had, but like, I, like just coming together with other people, with other like-minded people who want to see the world made better and and the capacity that we that that, that we can uh, that we can that we can achieve that has kind of been the like the biggest solve to like uh, any kind of like any kind of doomerist. Uh, um, our black pilled uh, a mode of thinking, and that that again, that isn't to say that like I am fully immune to that. Uh, I I don't think anyone is, but being able to operate with other like minded people who are working there, who who are who are working to try to make the world a better place, and hopefully and and try to at least within our localities push uh push toward uh toward better has been a huge a, a huge way of, of kind of helping me keep an optimistic uh outlook toward the endeavors that people can do when they come together and they continue to care yeah, yeah i mean we truly are more than the sum of our parts and uh 
when you when you see that in action i think it's um the thing i'm always saying is like we think that there are one-sided relationships between uh agents of this uh you know agents of the system and and, and, and people uh and but when people work together you see that they they can actually be turned around you know you can you can actually evict your landlord if they're a shitty landlord <laughs> you can actually fire <laughs> your boss you can like arrest the police if they're doing fucked up shit as if you are working together um and it's just shit that you don't believe could possibly happen until you see it happen and the next question is from Kiri Magic in the YouTube chat. Uh, is there any way to make smaller, portable, maybe battery-powered air filters that could work for tents? I'm mainly thinking of unhoused people, as I know a lot of people are in California. Mm. Yeah, uh, Larry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. On top of that, uh, even for folks who, are, who have houses, if their power goes out... Um, you know, these you're kind of out of luck, and the, the air is full of smoke. But yeah, for for houseless people, for sure, it's like because um, uh, you know, folks will charge things up on solar power or something like that. Um, some of these, uh, there you can absolutely scale this down. Um, there are ways if you carefully, uh, uh, if you carefully fold the filter into sections, you can make a little tower out of it with a PC fan and a power adapter, and it's possible to do. Um, I haven't built any myself. Um, I don't know if there are kits for that kind of thing um but yeah totally it's it's entirely within their own possibility i'm just don't, don't have a design for you yet cool i think that's <laughs> i think that's a, a good answer anyway sorry go on larry you're gonna oh no you can buy such things but they are they're commercial products so yeah mm-hmm. of course yeah and and i think yeah the the point of uh what kerry was asking was yeah like like you know the reason that you make uh fillers yourself like yeah because you know then it cost less money yeah um, there is a as a small filter that you fold up and a pc fan and some kind of a battery adapter for that there you go yeah if you can like figure out how to smush them together i guess <laughs> yes that's the hard part <laughs> um the next one is from b rat and b rat says are they planning on ever manufacturing the filters themselves Ooh. Uh, that's an interesting thought. People have kicked around ideas for that kind of thing. And actually, one thing that pains me is that these are blow, melt-blown plastic, and they are not reusable and not recyclable. Um, so that's part of how they work. Um, one of the there are four different ways it filters. It filters like a like a sieve. It filters um, just in terms of particles hitting the fibers. It filters by just if they're little tiny particles, the Brownian motion of the particles, and then it filters by electrostatic. So um, the electrostatic part's really important. Um, and so I, how to do that in a way that's um, that you either build yourself or the, is reusable or recyclable is pretty difficult. So we don't really have the capacity to do that kind of thing. Um, that's, I mean, it is a man, where you are getting manufactured materials and, and reusing them for our own purposes. So um, I'm not sure, like, we're not going to be able to weave, <laughs> to weave a, uh, a, a high efficiency air filter. Um, and I'm not sure there's a good answer for that, but something that would be at least more ecologically sound would be a much needed improvement. Does someone want to read the next one? Yeah, I'll ask it. It's from Prince Infandel. Um, have you been surveilled or infiltrated during your work? I guess, to your knowledge. I, we do not know. We do not know, but um, what I mean, we 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 have we have public facing um social media accounts. Uh, like most of our pictures are <laughs> are on there. So, I I mean, what uh was it? Um, 
Edward Snowden pretty much revealed that every, every, pretty much every citizen in the United States is being surveilled in to, to some capacity. I think recently um, there was, I remember reading uh, something about how um, the YouTuber Second Thought found out that he had a massive, like when he asked about his file, that like he had a massive file. So we we don't know, but we're, we're going to keep doing, keep doing what, what we're doing. We'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, to co-sign that, like Grant's right to say, everyone is being surveilled and i think that if you're doing any kind of leftist organizing like your org is being surveilled like that's a kind of a foregone conclusion um but the big question is kind of like uh the question isn't so much like are you being surveilled as as being like whether you're being surveilled passively or actively, mm -hmm. like the the mm -hmm. sides of both the the sides of both the NSA itself and also of like the deployment of its um technological and quite passive surveillance is it, unthinkably huge, mm -hmm. um, and it does so much stuff as a as a matter of course, just processing information um, and kind of filing it away almost automatically uh whether they actually consider you to be some kind of threat that's a very different question i think yeah i've never seen anything that would be yes. along the lines of a provocateur or a or an instigator or something like that so yeah i guess i think that's the that's a good thing um obviously but i i, I also it's like yeah you have to ask like you know oh god how would they i know that i know that cops um try and break up food not bombs meetings i was about to say that too yeah yeah big, I, I was thinking like how the fuck do you it, justify it anyway the, yeah the, i know the most yeah. well-intentioned obviously yeah. good things if you're an org yeah. cops it's... you're surveilled and cops are going to try to bust you mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's so, it's so fucked well yeah so we had in yeah. i forget if it was in oakland or berkeley but we had during the big black lives matter protests in 2019 a uh, uh undercover cop um was outed within the protest and then pulled a gun on everybody around him. So yeah, stuff does happen like that. We even added an episode about how to spot an undercover cop at a protest. We yeah, did. It's probably one of those ones that we're going to repeat over a few times because it's yeah. like kind of worth recycling yeah. the information. Um, I'm going to go to the next question, which is from B Rat and says, what's one thing they would like to manufacture that would have a big impact on people's lives, but so far haven't been able to for whatever reason? Ooh. Oh my gosh. That's a, that, that's a really good question. Um, and I think this kind of goes back, uh, toward, um, what, what I mentioned about, about kind of the ongoing conversations as to what we can do to kind of meet needs. I know something that, and Larry, I think you remember when we had that massive brainstorming meeting, um, where like we, like we were putting sticky notes and everything up. Um, there was something that came up of like, uh, like so, in, in the same vein of uh, of like air, like getting clean air, like tracking mold, um, being and and and, and treating that, um, how like trying trying to trying to figure out a figure figure out figure out a, a way of like doing that um, as 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 a mutual aid project. Um, that's something I remember. I, I, that I specifically remember thinking, thinking that that was really cool because. Yeah, like mold is mold can be a very silent killer. Uh, it's not it's, it's, it's not always it's, it's not always obvious that there is a that, the, that there's a mold problem within uh, within uh, within a, a unit or a home until like 
some like like there are there are active people are actively showing symptoms that something is like something's wrong with the air. So I would say like I would like to, to a to a to a small scale, I would say like yeah, some kind of some kind of means of of uh of tracking uh of, of detecting and dealing with like mold in an, in, a, in an environment uh was something that like we that we brought up we just kind of weren't able to figure out a, a way a, a way of tackling it yeah and even within the the air purifiers themselves I mean we're struggling with how best to scale up if we wanted to like there's the organizational aspect of like, do we really want to have a government grant or is that a good thing? Or, you know, should we be figuring something out other way of operating or we just continue with, um, you know, our own little fundraising. And then there's the aspect of the, just the practicalities of making this stuff. It's like, um, we're, you know, we can get custom cut cardboard parts, but that's pretty expensive. So ideally we'd want to stamp cut these things, but a stamping tool is going to be, you know, maybe $10,000. You need, you know, a couple thousand, uh, a volume of several thousand units before it starts to pay off. So uh, it is a tricky question. I think, uh, I think that's a really awesome one as well. Like the mold thing um, is a huge thing for um, houses in Britain. It's one of the main things that we come across in Great yeah, Manchester. It's so humid and cold here. It's, it's ridiculous how many houses have got black mold, which literally killed you know uh, a toddler like you know two years ago in in social housing and uh -huh. it's like yeah if if there is a way that mutual aid i mean ideally ideally these these fucking housing associations shouldn't be putting people in houses with mold however you know if if we have to empower uh, ourselves to actually figure out how to to, to rid uh you know properties of, of mold then so be it right um, but I think that's a, a really good, a really good thing to think about for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, shall I read the next one? It is uh, from uh, uh, Dice Goblin, uh, and Dice Goblin says, "Is CHC active in the South Bay, or is it mostly just Oakland and San Francisco?" Yeah, we we are not active in the South. Uh, I guess, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're, yeah, we're not happily active in the South Bay. So I'm guessing that's. And correct me if I'm wrong, Larry. That, that that's like San Jose, Fremont, Union City, that 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 kind of area, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, we did we did attend a 4-H event in um in uh, in Hayward recently. Um, so and we have done stuff in the Central Valley. You know, we're talking to some folks up in Napa. So we do reach out to other groups. Um, but our main operations are in Oakland and Oakland and Berkeley. Gotcha. Um, I. Think oh, that well, in that case, yeah. yeah, we're through the questions. And I guess we just want to ask a uh, couple more things. One is that we like to uh, give our listeners some homework because they're, uh, they're, they're, they're little swats and they love, they love uh, when they get assignments from class. Um, so we, we tend to ask people, is there like a next thing that you would like to tell people to do after hearing about your org? Um, this is besides like, you know, checking out the website or whatever like that. Like, um, we had a a guest on once who was from Queer Care, who is like a first aid and uh, and like support network org, uh, and she told everyone to go and do some kind of reproductive labor within their like org. So be the one at the union meeting doing the washing up or whatever. You know, that's the kind of homework that we sometimes set. We've also told people to join unions. We've also told people to go around their neighborhood and imagine how it would look different under like their utopian perfect world and stuff like this. So, uh, yeah. Do you have any ideas of homework for the chat? Yeah. Um, 
I, I get Larry. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go. Then Larry, then Larry can kind of give uh, give his um, his input. Um, mm. For me, uh, I would say like the, like like the biggest homework is like look like look like like look into your locality, look into your area, and see if there are any ongoing mutual aid efforts. If there aren't, like go out uh go out talk to people try to figure out what a like what a common problem is and see if the if it, like if like if like if through the like through collaboration or just start like the, the starting off on your own figuring out what what means we can kind of what, what what means that we can start on to kind of endeavor to kind of do something within like your own like with like within your within your own community um just trying to put yourself put put yourself in a position as to try to make the act of um of like a of of engaging in mutual aid like like an, a more active process versus like being something that you're that 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 you that you just heard about now uh trying to go go out there and act and and actively see what are ways that i can um with uh, i i can both engage with people uh, people around me to kind of improve improve and meet like needs if not if not even within your community at, even needs at home like it, it start like it, it starts small um besides uh besides that um yeah I think, I think I think that's the big one just just figuring just 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 getting out there doing something I think the hardest part uh for any kind of um organizing or engage or or, or endeavor is just getting out there and starting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so starting small like like within your home and 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 going out from there um i think that's that i think that, i think that that's like my my major my like my major uh thing i i, I would hope to impart on uh the, hmm. on the, on the listeners of uh, of this episode it's just to get out there and, and and do something uh do something that 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 kind of helps you kind of see 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 problems and try and 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 work on and and first work on trying to actionable actionably start start the process to to just improving a, a system whether that be at home, uh, uh, again your community and so on and so forth. The with the places like again CHC started as as a very small thing of a bunch of Berkeley students saying hey there's there's a hand hand sanitizer shortage how can we how 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 can we endeavor to like meet this need. And mm. we've been going, and and since then, like we've we've continued to bring on people, bring on like-minded people, and have have been a project that that have consist, consistently persisted for like the past three years. Cool, Byron. Yeah, um, yeah, and building on that, um, I would say to uh, uh, pick one thing and run with it. Um, could be joining a local mutual aid org. Uh, the more local, the better. Uh, you could throw a block party and meet your neighbors, perhaps even bring along a sign-up sheet and get everybody talking to each other. Um, and maybe even with a little bit of purpose, uh, maybe not the first time. Um, but yeah, to just try to meet locally. That's one thing I've been challenged by is like mutual aid. To make it actually mutual, it's got to be among uh, people you you get to know well. So, um, and spe smart. specific to air quality, um, one thing that's, good to look for is if you can check out what the story is with your local schools and see if um, they're taking measures to improve the air quality in the schools. And if they're not, um, that can be a policy activism thing, um, or it can be building some air purifiers and donating them to schools or getting some people together to do that kind of thing. 
um, would be pretty cool to do. So just a couple ideas. And yeah. we should say explicitly, like on our website, we do like there, there is, we do have the instructions for how to make your own air purifier. So it's all, it's all oh, wow. there. Yeah. Cool. So okay. like, again, Fantastic. like, this isn't something that we want just like, it's just CHC doing, we want to make sure that, 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 uh, what we're doing is something that, if, if, that, that we can give the tools so other people to kind of engage in, 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 endeavor and engage in, in, in this project themselves, whether that be just for, just, just for their own families, for their, like for their own indiv indiv individual needs or start their own projects mm -hmm. so uh your websites that you've given us are uh commonhumanitycollective.org and cohesivecontrivances.net which i think that larry is that your page That's specifically my personal site <laughs> cool 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 where, 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 where we were talking about all the different um air purifier designs we saw earlier so uh yeah um if listeners want to check out those once again they're commonhumanitycollective.org and co cohesivecontrivances.net which a uh, great name um but uh, yeah the other question that i had to finish off was just uh are there any other orgs that you want to shout out any any people you think are doing good work and you want to give a mention to Oh my gosh uh why well, I, I did kind of mention them uh bay area mutual aid um like even though it's a lot smaller now, um, like that was in that was and still is an, an awesome source of like different of different groups coming together to try to uh, to try to meet need. Um, there's the Ella Baker Project, which is another kind of local group uh, that we that we've done work with in in Oakland um, uh, that particularly uh, meets uh, meet, meets needs for like the Latin community in that area. Um, let uh, yeah, uh, and then. Um, uh, I think we also mentioned that the Wood Street, the Wood Street Commons Project, uh, which which does does their part to kind of serve unhoused people. Um, so yeah, those are those, those are those are some local ones. Uh, of course, also like I will kind of give give a small shout out to like the DSA because even even for being a larger umbrella org, they do do they 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 do attempt to try to kind of empower empower burgeoning um like burgeoning leftist into some kind of greater greater leftist um organizing structure and just kind of trying to and, and really serving as, as a great as, as a great launching point for people to be able to, to see that hey whoa other leftists are are, are real out and like this like this isn't just something that i stumbled into on, on my lonesome <laughs> so yeah those, those would be some names uh, names i have to shout out <laughs> Yeah, and we'd be remiss if not to ask for uh, donations to CHC are always welcome. Uh, tell your friends. Uh, there's another uh, outfit, a one-person operation called Mask Oakland. Um, that's also great to donate to. Um, they do a lot of work. Excellent. Absolutely. Give money to CHC. I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. Like, I, I really think that it's uh, it's really been educational. Like, I think that this is something that is you know air purification covid you know and and of course like you know just in general diseases i think is something that's not really at the forefront of a lot of people's minds so thanks yeah. for coming on and reminding us that uh pre pre preventing is uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure that's what go. i say isn't it so uh, yeah <laughs> and thanks for all the awesome work yeah. that you do yep thank you larry and grant thank you thank you so, so much, much for, for coming yeah thanks for having us see you later cool. All right. Bye-bye.
And so chat. what's the order we do things in now? Uh, what do we <laughs> want to tell chat? It's it's not me scrolling through the show notes to check that it, it, we don't want to talk about the Patreon now. That's right. Uh, That's what we do now. <laughs> hey, Mule, you want to tell me about that Patreon? I'll tell you about that Patreon, Sophie, and I'll tell everybody listening at home as well. Um, we are a show and we have a producer. And, We're a show. Um, oh, yeah, I know. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Um, this is the we... section where Mule does all the work and I try to throw him off. <laughs> <laughs> Which she knows is very easy because that is who I am. It's how my brain works. Um, but yeah, we are a show and we do stuff and really cool stuff like you've just witnessed if you've been watching, listening. Um, and uh, we have to fund that show. We do have to fund it. We have a producer. He's a lovely lad. He's called Conrad and he's been doing everything. He's been keeping the stream alive behind the scenes. You might have noticed we had a little bit of technical difficulties, but you probably didn't because he's really good at doing all that stuff. You know why and that also- is though? We made Conrad run on a treadmill to power the stream <laughs> and i think he may have he just passed, passed out. out yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. a couple of times out. there but so, we luckily because the because the patreon is going so well we were able to buy a small car battery <laughs> and uh we just zap him when he passes out so he gets back <laughs> up again what we um, what we what we need is we need more money to be able to buy bigger car batteries. That's to give true, yeah. Conrad more of an electric shock. Uh, this is a joke. This is sarcasm. We do not torture our producers. For legal purposes. Yes, for legal <laughs> pur- purposes, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> we are not um, Guantanamo Bay. Anyway, um, yeah. So basically, um, we actually give Conrad money so that he could live and survive, which is nice, isn't it? Uh, and we also would very much like to. Uh, give other people money so that they can live and survive. And that other person is an editor. And it would be really, really cool if, um, you know, uh, uh, we could actually get uh, an editor for Red Planet because we that would mean that we would be able to have all sorts of kind of cool little clips. We might get like a Red Planet clips channel on YouTube or something like that where there's like clips of us and our most based moments and our guests saying m- the most based things. And that will make people go, wow, I didn't want to watch this long form, uh, uh, tedious content before, but I've, I've got a small <laughs> attention span. Uh, I'm a baby Gen Z Zoomer. And now I, I want to watch, watch all of it because I've watched this little TikTok of our, of this show. A little um, cheeky TikTok. That's right, Kira. A little cheeky TikTok like that. Say it like that. For those of you listening at home, she's cringing because of how good that voice was. Uh, <laughs> and I have to say, can... I, I need to also say, um, person with the shortest attention span I personally know who is a millennial makes, makes, uh, makes it about Gen Z somehow. Listen, Thanks, listen, there is a war <laughs> yeah, right. that's going on. There's a war that's going on between Gen Z and millennials that I don't really understand. I don't know why it exists, but I'm taking part in it. Uh, no, I have the worst attention span and I'm projecting entirely. Um, yeah, no, you can become a patron too by going to patreon.com forward slash red underscore planet. And you should so do true. that right now. Um, and the first tier that is a, a part of that is Sprite Mode. And Sprite Mode, that is when you get started with your support for Red Planet by becoming a Sprite. Benefits include the sacred and forbidden knowledge that you're helping the Red Planet team, early access to VODs, access to the Red Planet Discord, where we talk about really, really base cool stuff. And that is £2 a month, a.k.a. $2.50 a month. And Tim is not here. No, $2 a month. Oh, is it $2 a month? That's my bad. It's $2 a month. It's £2 a month. Um, And uh, yeah, 
it's it's cool. it's really good to do that. And there's another tier that's above that. That's uh, and that that tier is called Goblin Mode. It is. Uh, so that one's what's like, that? Well, it's nine pound fifty, or it's yeah. ten dollars. Uh, which means that let me just check the how far we'd have to go to get to that editor goal. Uh, about three hundred fifty quid. So if there were just like thirty five goblins, if anyone happens to know thirty five goblins uh, personally, um, you're very lucky, and I hope you know that. Um, mm-hmm. But also, please direct <laughs> those thirty five goblins to our Patreon uh, because we can hit our goal if we just got you know just a few more goblins. Um, everyone loves a goblin. We all get a little goblin mode from time to time. Complete your gobology by going goblin mode with everything from sprite mode, plus a pack of cool red planet stickers for you to stick in legal places and only places like that access to exclusive Red Planet Discord Hangouts. The next Red Planet Discord Hangout, we haven't booked the date yet. We've been doing our little scheduling thing, but we uh, do know what we're doing, which is, uh, <laughs> as much as it might seem otherwise, we do know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> which is, we're going to be watching an episode of Star Trek TNG and then another episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So uh, it should be a fun little hangout. I'm looking forward I'm to it. I'm very excited. But what yeah. about if you had even more money than the Goblin? What would that make you, Kira? Well, that would make you a beast belonging to the beast mode at $20 a month or some amount of English money. I'll month. tell you how much that is, Kira. I'll tell close you. close the window? I'll tell you. It's 19 pounds. <laughs> 19? 19 British pounds quids. Okay, 19 quids or $20 a month. Holy shit. Are you actually going to go beast mode? Well, then we can offer you all the stuff from the lower tiers and pin badges. Yep, pin badges. Wear your excellent new Red Planet pin badge literally everywhere. It is completely cool and good to do. Wow. Wow. But what if you wanted to go even harder? What if you are a sicko? Well, then that would mean that you would be paying £94 a month or $100 a month uh, uh, or whatever it is in your locale. The equivalent, you do the maths. I'm not going to. I've got dyscalculia. Don't be ableist. Um, If you support (laughs) us this much, we can only reasonably offer you all the stuff from the lower tiers, plus a very special thank you message at the end of every stream, which looks like this. Thank you, JBP for being our sicko. Thank you so much. And yeah, that is the 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 Patreon and you should give us money. Like I said, uh and like Sophie said earlier, we are very close to hitting our goal. It's 884 pound a month, which I believe is $1000 or $900 a month. I'm not entirely sure. Um uh, 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 uh in order to get an editor and yeah, there will be just like just so many good stuff. We could not only have little uh what i need to know something what do you need to know sophie where can people find you on the internet i'm glad you asked but (laughs) skira is fucking dying laughing (laughs) Um, mule (laughs) (laughs) listen i'm just hyped for the planning meeting i just want to get to that goddamn planning right now okay okay cool um so i'm glad you asked sophie uh you can find me at linktree forward slash dj mule all of my links are there twitter twitch youtube and the most important one patreon and the that is the most important one because i have yet 
yes, finally finished my next video. It is now available for, well, it's kind of a rough cut. It's not really a rough cut because I'm not really going to cut anything else out of it, but I've not really done all the things that I want to do with it to make it look really, really good. But it is there if you are a enlightened socialist here or above to actually watch now. You can watch my next video. It will be released on the YouTube channel uh, next Sunday. It's going to premiere, I think, around like uh, 11 a.m. next Sunday, I'm thinking. Um, and yeah, it'll it'll be really, really cool. It's about uh, an anime slash manga called Berserk uh, and how it is actually queer and polyamorous and not just queer and polyamorous, but it's also a love story. Um, but yeah, that's what the video is about. You should go there and give me money. Uh, it's really, really good. Uh, and also, Sophie, where can people find you? That's that's what a question. What a good question. Most most days, people can find me uh, tending to my my little homegrown mushroom setup in my spare room in a little tent with my uh, with my with my light and my squirty bottle and my reishis and my lion's mane. Um, but online. Online is a different question. If you want to see uh, those little those little shroomy guys, I've actually been uh, collecting time lapses. I have a very mushroom heavy video coming up uh, where the visuals is all going to be mushrooms the whole way through. Uh, not the whole way through, but a lot of the way through. It's very mushroom heavy, like I said. Um, and when that's ready, it's going to be my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Sophie from Mars. When it's uh, been on my Patreon for a little bit and all my, all my patrons have had a chance to look at it, it's going to be on my YouTube channel, which is also Sophie from Mars on YouTube. Uh, I'll be talking a little bit about it on Twitter, which is twitter.com slash Sophie underscore FRM underscore Mars. I'll probably do some editing streams about it on twitch.tv slash Sophie underscore FRM underscore Mars. Uh, but you can find all of my links at linktr.ee slash Sophie from Mars, all one word. Uh, and you can also just give me money directly there if uh if you just like feel like some kind of little worthless little worm and you want to send money to a hot girl to make yourself feel better um just go on to linktree.ee slash sophie from mars and um you know do your little do your do your shameful deed and then leave <laughs> um speaking of which kira uh yeah. go yeah yeah speaking of shameful deeds um Hi, you can find all of my shameful links, winky face, wink, wink, uh, and my link close brackets. <laughs> I'm, I'm my link tree. Uh, if you don't know how to find link tree, just type link tree and then Kira chats into Google. I'm sure it'll show up, but it's L I N K T R dot E E slash Kira chats. Um, but just go on my Twitter, twitter.com slash Kira chats. It's also available there. Um, you can find my my Twitch, twitch.tv slash Kira Chats. Uh, my Discord, discord.gg slash Kira Chats. It's all Kira Chats. Um, but you want to definitely check out my link tree because there's some really exciting links there. Wink. Wink. Oh, mama. <laughs> Ooh, woof, woof. That's right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um that that's pretty much all i got oh yeah and tomorrow i'll be having my friend aranok on uh to discuss her latest video we're gonna be doing like a watch party like sophie and i had similarly the other day so um if you're a fan of aranok uh make sure to tune in that's happening tomorrow on my twitch nice. channel yeah so thank you so much chad for being here or uh joining us thank you listeners for tuning in uh we appreciate all of you and, but, um, just before we go, let's not forget our comrade who is not here, the oh. wonderful 
Conquest of Dread, Sweet Tim, the poor bean, he completely forgot that daylight savings had not changed for New Zealand and he missed the stream. But it's okay. <laughs> it's okay because you can find him and his content at Conquest of Dread on YouTube and you can also get him at Dread Conquest on Twitter. Make sure you go and show Tim some love because he's a lovely, bloody lad. Anyway, what were you saying about the show ending? No, that, they, that I don't really have anything else to say. Okay, that's the end of the show. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye, chat. Let's not forget thingies. Let's not forget thingies. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to this episode of Red Planet. If you enjoyed the show, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell all your comrades about it. You can find where to watch us live every Sunday at redplanetshow.com. Follow the show on Twitter and TikTok at red underscore planet underscore TV. And there's even more at our Patreon, patreon.com slash red underscore planet. Our music is by Jasper Byrne. Red Planet is produced by Conrad Zimmerman in association with Mercenary Creative. See you next week. <laughs>